0: you're about to listen to another great show on the four eyed radio network to listen to other shows just like this, go to four like our show victory road, a Pokemon podcast where we talk everything and anything about Pokemon, learn something new. Like, did you know that every Pokemon card is misprinted on the back? The ball centerpiece opens on the wrong side. <laughs> what? I'm going to have to check that out. But yeah, you can learn stuff like that, which I just learned right now. Wallop and web snappers.
1: My spider sense is tingling.
0: Tingling. Tingling.
1: Tingling. Spider sense is tingling. Spider sense tells me I'm in for some trouble. Something's turning my spider sense off. Spider sense is tingling. I feel my Spider-Sense. My Spider Sense is tingling.
2: Anybody else's
0: Spider-Sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your Spider Sense tingling?
2: Uh no. Oh wait, no, there it is.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say you should be worried. <laughs> <laughs> To listen to the show, find us on 4 and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And if you listen to our show regularly, you know that we play a game called Walloping Word Snappers, where our patrons can submit words or phrases that we have to work into the show. And we did, in fact, have a phrase with quite the word... From our episode two weeks ago. So that phrase submitted by <laughs> Spider Girl Gemma Nicole. Let's see if my all my practice from a couple weeks ago will uh, pay off now. <laughs> was inhaling silica can cause pneumono ultra microscopic silico
2: you actually said that better than I did last week. When <laughs> my practice was fresh, so kudos for that.
0: I uh, was impressed with both of us for even having put in the work to practice saying Yeah, it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and now there is audio out in the world of both of us yeah. saying that word. So yeah. there you go. Thanks for that. (laughs) Do what you will
0: with that, everybody. (laughs) Um, If you are interested in playing Word Snappers with us, you are welcome to follow along and guess the phrases or words. Or you could submit words and phrases for us to say by going to our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers and becoming a patron at that tier. We hope you will.
2: Yes, if you do become a patron, you'll get access to lots of really cool stuff, um, like early access to our episodes that are really good, like this one that we're going to be doing now. That was an interesting segue, but I'm very <laughs> excited to do, to finish off uh, the first season of Spectacular Spider-Man. It's so much, so much. These episodes are so good. I love them so much.
0: We have been covering Spectacular Spider-Man and absolutely loving the hell out of it. Um, Derek has watched it before and has long praised the series to me Um telling me I need to watch it, and I am actually watching it for the first time. I knew that it was Derek's favorite series, and it is now also my favorite Spider-Man series. So it has clearly won me over, um, and I can't wait to get into these two episodes as well, because they are no exception. They are fantastic as well.
2: Mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you are, as a listener, you are very, very, very highly encouraged to watch the show for yourself. So if you haven't already, or if you want to give it a rewatch, I suggest you do because we're going to be digging very deeply into them. Um, they are available for streaming, they're super accessible. Um, so for streaming for free on Crackle um, and also the Roku channel, both of those, you don't have to have any subscriptions or anything for them. So you can just log on and watch them there. Um, if you do want to purchase them, they're available on many digital platforms for purchase. Purchase, and also on lots of series DVD and Blu-ray sets that are also worth buying if you want to give them some money. Maybe if they see a big uptick in sales for Spectacular <laughs> Spider-Man merchandise and DVDs, they'll they'll give us a third season. It's never going to happen.
0: Oh, but- I know. I was thinking <laughs> about that today and I was like... What if, what if Disney Plus though? And it's there's just there's no
2: way. <laughs> nope, nope. Unfortunately, uh, um, which that's a there's a whole there's so much complicated licensing stuff that we'll probably get mm-hmm. into when we start talking about the second season of it uh, no down boy. the line. But we got what we got, and it's very good. So yes. let's talk about it, shall we?
0: <laughs> let's do it.
2: <laughs> yes, this first episode we're going to be doing for Spectacular Spider Man is season one, episode twelve, entitled Intervention. Um, another synopsis per Amazon, because the IMDb ones are crazy for the whole rest of this season. <laughs> per Amazon, as he struggles with the symbiote, Spectacular Spider-Man's origins are revealed. But when Peter slash Spidey wins and returns the symbiote to the Condors' lab, an embittered Eddie Brock is drawn to it.
0: Ooh. This episode originally aired on June 7th, 2008. It was written by Greg Weissman, who we know very, very well, of course, and directed by Dave Bullock, who we also know.
2: hmm hmm And someone else we also know, but definitely would not have expected, I think, major character introduced slash spotlighted in this episode, Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben Parker, yeah. portrayed by Ed Asner.
0: You know, it's hilarious. You know how, like, when you're out and about and you see somebody that you always see at work or that you used to go to school with or something like that, and you, like, don't recognize them because you're like, this is the wrong context. Mm -hmm. That was me with this Uncle Ben. I was like, I freaking know who this is. Like, why can't I think of it? Oh, wow. Yeah. It was driving me absolutely bonkers. Because I was like, I, this is a voice I know like intimately, and I cannot for the life of me like recall uh, why. That's so funny. <laughs> so stupid. So, I, uh, yeah. I looked at it and was like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I, Ed Asner portrays J. Jonah Jameson on Spider Man the animated series, mm-hmm. which we have talked about. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I watched a lot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's such a, and we talked about it at length in like the, the first episode we did on the 90s show. Um, because he's such such a such a stellar like long career and he's still yeah. acting now actually it's I ha- it, it wasn't out yet when we were when we did our first episode but he's he was just recently in a Netflix show called Dead to Me Oh which uh Christina App- Applegate and Linda yeah. Cardinelli. fantastic freaking show by the way highly recommend it I binged all of it in one night huh. it is very much worth the watch but he's in that like he's still acting and and still doing great and he's extremely talented um as an actor and as we see in this episode as a voice actor too yeah. he is, has a really great performance in this episode
0: I suppose like uncle ben's not screaming all the time so maybe that was part of it I don't <laughs> yeah. know yeah. or I, I'm just terrible
2: <laughs> well it's a, it is a different voice that he's putting on too Certainly. um and it's an older voice like he's you know this is obviously like about 10 15 years later so yeah. you know it it makes sense but it's just it's it's such smart casting because He's not only just like a good like a, a recognizable actor which you know they've had plenty of those mm-hmm. but someone I think I feel like this is the first one where it really is like an actor who was super prominent in in the Spider-Man mythos in one way or another like in that like the general Spider-Man like oeuvre that exists yeah, that has now reprising reprising role or not reprising role is in a different role on another show.
0: It's almost like, uh, I don't know if there's already a term for this, but it feels like almost like an homage casting. Like certainly he would have auditioned and all that sort of stuff. But like the fact that they would have been aware of his familiarity and intimacy with the, with the property, knowing that he's, you know, going to be playing a different character and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's not just carrying over a role, which we've seen before. It's, it's like a family member coming back home a little bit.
2: It's just like when, when any, any like superhero shows will like, bring back an actor from another superhero show like oh and old lewis lois lane is playing lois lane's mom yeah. in another superman show kind of thing like that's not uncommon but i feel like it's it's a lot less common in cartoons because the actor isn't as deeply associated
0: mm-hmm. with the
2: characters in animation as they are in live action so the fact that they they did this is really really cool
0: yeah yeah, I, I, I really appreciate that they did this because he's great and he does a great job here too.
2: Yeah, it's not just like a stunt casting thing. He's a, no. he's a really great Uncle Ben.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into this one. I think that this is, it's interesting. This is probably our shortest synopsis by plot points, mm-hmm. but- Instead of, you know, an episode where tons and tons of stuff happens, but things don't necessarily move forward. This is, like, the flip side of that, where not a ton of stuff happens in this episode, but everything moves forward. You know yeah. what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean, this. it's really, like, the, the thematic climax of yeah. the whole season. Like, the finale definitely, like, finishes out character arcs and plots. But, yeah. like, this is sort of, like, really distilling the entire theme of the first season of this show. Like, really going hard on what its thesis is and reaching like a natural endpoint and solution for
0: Mm -hmm. it. This is the psychology one-on-one arc, right? Yes. I've been really bad at like keeping track of which arcs we're in, but this episode makes it so clear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: that it And I really,
0: really appreciate it. This is a really valuable episode. It's a very unique episode um, as we'll talk about specifically, but it's, It's almost wild to imagine this having aired on TV just alone in its slot. Yeah. Because it is such a uniquely structured episode um, incorporating flashbacks and a lot of internal action, for lack of a better phrase. And it just would feel so out of place. But my God, it is like such an important, great piece of this show. Mm-hmm, hmm So let's get into the details. This episode opens with Peter in a black T-shirt, um... <laughs> I did air quotes if you couldn't tell by my intonation there uh, because we'll find out later that he's actually just wearing the symbiote as a t shirt but it's a new look, so we know we're supposed to be paying attention
1: mm-hmm.
0: he uh He demands to see Aunt May at the hospital, and i don't know why he's demanding because he's at the <laughs> hospital, like they will let him in, but he's 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 a little aggro, yeah, in any case, before he can actually receive directions to her room, Eddie Brock walks through the lobby, having just visited Aunt May himself. Peter is like, dude, what are you doing here? Like, why are you here? And Eddie really just delivers it to him. Like, real big. (laughs) Eddie says, because I still remember what a great lady she is. When Gwen told me Aunt May was here, I figured it was worth stomaching you for her sake. Figures it wouldn't be an issue. I mean, why would you be here? She's only the woman who raised you. Which, my God. um, (laughs) None of that is really, like... Untrue. It's not like he's delivering it in a way that's really brutal. But I, I mean, it's clearly Peter. Almost kind of needs to take that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, right. I mean, this is this is on like the downside is that it's clearly Eddie on like the most like kind of high horse moral righteousness that he's ever been on at this point, which is kind of his main character. One of mm, not his main one of his character flaws. Yeah. For sure is like how. How how black and white his morality is, and how how angry he gets when he thinks that something is like morally wrong in his eyes. Yeah. So you see that, but yeah, you're right. Like he's not wrong about any any of this stuff. And yeah. Sometimes people need real talk and tough yeah. love. Yeah. I mean, tough hate in this ca- his case.
0: That's been a theme of this of this season is Peter sort of needing things spoon fed to him, and sometimes people are willing to do it kindly, and in this case, Eddie has no reason to, so he yep. does not. <laughs>
2: yep. <laughs> Yeah, after that, upstairs, when Peter goes and sees Aunt May, they receive news from the doctor that May is doing very well. Uh, Peter does apologize for not arriving sooner, and Aunt May is actually, like, she, she rocks as you yeah. party already established. She's yeah. totally forgiving. She doesn't like, she's barely, like, care. She barely cares about herself. He's like, yeah. Aunt May had a heart attack, and she's just like, a little one. <laughs> <laughs> she,
0: gosh, she's such a reprieve for him because, you know, he's apologizing for not showing up, and her, I think, she says exactly like you showed up when you found out, which yeah. is like the most understanding phrase ever, because yeah. it, it ignores the fact that he could have known sooner um, and really just focuses on the fact that like he really did drop everything mm-hmm. when he when he knew.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it was just a he didn't he wasn't doing really a lot of really anything wrong by by like missing all of this. Like it was a series of really terrible coincidences that led yeah. to not having information. She doesn't really know that, but I feel like no. the fact that that's her, she's giving him the benefit of the doubt and she's kind of right to do it in this case.
0: Yeah. That's her brand of awareness.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And she also tells him to leave because it's a late. <laughs>
0: This is like the closest she gets to the 90s like sweater waving Aunt May. <laughs> yeah. Where she's like yeah. get out of here. And he's like huh? It's a school right. day, Peter. Go to school.
2: <laughs> right. I just wish I'd packed you a lunch before, before the whole heart <laughs> thing happened.
0: You know what's funny though is they, they laugh about it. Which makes me feel like the writers of this show are keenly aware of the types of Aunt May that have existed and are almost using this as a way to like
2: mm.
0: nod and poke fun at some of the most egregiously um, like uh, annoying Aunt Mays.
2: <laughs> yeah like when she's really super doting like mm-hmm. it's it's always because she's kind of quirky and you're not meant to like take it super earnestly it's just to be like you're supposed to recognize that she's being a little bit like silly yeah uh, by by when she does these little mo- moments of doting
0: yeah definitely
2: yeah so uh he does decide to go to school but <laughs> <Good> <laughs> as <choice. he's, laughs> right as he's leaving um this this bugs me so much. So the nurse waves down the 16-year-old kid who's visiting his sick aunt in the hospital mm-hmm. to flag him down to make sure that he has the bill. Which, by the way, like, he's a minor. Like, you're giving him the... I know that she's in the hospital, but, like, I don't know. First of he all... He can't
0: sign paperwork. Right. She wants him to sign things, and I don't think he legally can. He
2: can't. And and none of this... I mean, this is all for juradic effect. I get it. Sure, it's, it's sure. It's the core of the episode. But, but... Having worked in like healthcare administration for a big chunk of my life, you wouldn't have the bill like while you're still in the hospital, first of all.
0: Like No, e- don't people end up like getting surprised by bills like right. years later?
2: Well, yeah, I mean because it has to run through insurance first. Yeah. And she's not even, she hasn't finished her hospital stay. So they wouldn't know what the bill is going to be yet. Oh, Um, good point. (laughs) So it doesn't make sense that he gets the bill. And like, even if she was like self-pay, like they didn't have insurance, which I doubt. I feel like she's old enough to have Medicare probably. But even if, even if they were self-pay or something, like she's 63. So she doesn't have Medicare yet or something. They still like wouldn't, she would finish her hospital stay before they got the bill. And they wouldn't flag down a teenager in the hallway who's on his way out (laughs) to just be like, Oh, Hey, Hey, send this paperwork. Okay. Bye. Like, yeah. I if only say, to
0: maintain some semblance of tact. <laughs> right.
2: I think that that nurse was pissed at Peter for being rude to her when he first came oh. into the hospital. And this is her way of getting back at him.
0: Fair. Yeah. Wow. So tight. <laughs> Solved it. I would like to believe that this J Jonah Jameson in this series, who is the greatest employer of all time, doesn't have to provide any sort of, like, uh, benefits to part-time freelance workers, but, you know, maybe does, and then, you know, justifies it by saying, uh, it's so I can lock you in. But we all know. We all know.
2: Yeah, but... You're just helping out. Aunt May wouldn't be covered (laughs) under that, though, because she's not a dependent. and That's true, yeah. Unless they do, like, a... uh, I don't remember what it's called but there's like a a domestic like a domestic thing where it's if, if it is someone who's like your roommate who's lived with you for a long enough time so they could like, I don't know <laughs> it's thinking way too much it's a ridiculous
0: thing for me to say because he's a 16 year old freelance photographer
2: 16 year old freelance photographer <laughs> right it's impossible the yeah. only the only other rationalization other than the nurse being pissed at him is that it's just it's just the bill for the copay pay <laughs> that hadn't been oh,
0: paid oh yeah yet. that actually that could be <laughs> it yeah. could be that he hasn't shown up until this moment
2: right and because you do have to pay that and Aunt May probably maybe didn't have her Her purse or whatever with her Like she dropped it before she got in the ambulance And she couldn't pay They it also wouldn't be the like stop
0: you at the counter If you were on a stretcher
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> like. right But that makes it terrible Because that means that the copay must be like hundreds of dollars. Oh gosh! And they're probably Al-May is probably going to get a bill later that the uh, that that cannot be covered <laughs> later. Oh, so gosh. <laughs> mm, Probably just best not to think more into this. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> research American healthcare, everybody. Yeah, it's do something like it's about a little, it. Go vote.
2: <laughs> almost like it's a little broken, isn't it?
0: Huh? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Well, he does, like you said, go to school. Um, Not for very long, it seems, though, because Peter learns Mary Jane has shared the news of Aunt May's hospital visit with basically everybody he hangs out with, because (laughs) she, Gwen, and Liz Allen all sort of like kind of rush Peter as he as he shows up to ask him how he's doing this upsets him um, further. Cause he's already upset and he snaps on all three of them while flash watches from afar. Actually, <laughs> um, the scene again, is sort of
2: again with his sus super
0: <laughs> Yeah. superhearing Flash. flash. Um, the scene is sort of set up in a way where Peter and the three girls are in the courtyard. And I think flash must be on some sort of balcony or something. And what he overhears is like really rough. Peter's a total jerk, like Mm -hmm. huge jerk in this. Like even the the first time you listen to it, you're like, oh man, you're being mean. But then like the more you dig into it, you're like, wow, you're not even just being mean. You're like personally attacking people. Yeah. Because he says, help, help. How do you plan on helping do my homework for me? Maybe lower my GPA, which dick thing to say, (laughs) especially to Gwen freaking Stacy. Seriously. Or borrow my camera, take some Spidey pics because I do need the money. I got some humongous hospital bills to pay. Unless my friends are prepared to pony up some cash, they can keep their help and their sympathy. All right. All right, Dick.
2: (laughs) They literally did exactly what you want your friends to do in the situation that he's in. Yeah, they approach him comfortably, and just—I mean, the literally the only the only thing that I think that they could have done a little better is that maybe not all throw out a bunch of questions, like bum rush him with questions, <laughs> swarm
0: him. <laughs> I do
2: think that that was a bad move that probably overwhelmed him and kind of sparked this like going full on dark side. Yeah, but they still all they were asking is just like, how can we help? So right. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know, we do know that Peter is going through some things yep. And isn't quite himself So yeah. at least we can fall back on that <laughs> Yeah, and
2: then he's like, I'm a punk now, I'm ditching school and he <laughs> Yeah,
0: forget school <laughs>
2: <laughs> So later on Spidey does, uh, as he's web swinging Spidey thinks to himself about how his gig with the Bugle doesn't pay enough And that Skinflint Jameson's never going to give him enough money to do anything <laughs> Um, So he does consider other options, which actually brings us back to kind of about midway through the season when Tombstone had offered him a job. Mm -hmm. So he arrives to Tombstone's penthouse, beats up his his guards again. Like, oh, those poor guards. I know, right? <laughs> it's just like, they don't have a chance ever. Nope. They try so hard, but Ugh. nope. Beats up again and asks Tombstone if his previous offer is still on the table.
0: Yep. Does all of that happen before the credits? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> it's a this lot. This episode's it's, 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 it's paced so interestingly. That's kind of one of the reasons I love it because it's such a not mm-hmm. normal episode, like in every way.
0: Yeah, it's, it's super strange. <laughs> yeah, like
2: there's no, there's not like a three hack structure to this at all. Like it doesn't, it, it's just, it just, goes through goes through the motions, which I'm fine with, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's it's to its benefit.
0: Yeah, it works really really well um, for what they needed to accomplish. So mm-hmm. um, after the credits, um, Tombstone actually welcomes Spidey revisiting the offer, but he does offer a condition. Um, he says that before they can sort of agree on anything, because Tombstone doesn't have a reason to trust Spider Man, like. It, it's understandable Mm -hmm. tombstone says prove it by fighting no crime for one week i think he puts like a caveat on that to say like you can address like public safety issues (laughs) or something like that he
2: says he says dispensation if a supervillain threatens public safety
0: oh okay there you go which basically would benefit tombstone anyway because i think that means a supervillain would be kind of like on the loose and rampaging right but yeah, I mean his his thing is you you got to show me that you can actually do this and ignore crime for an entire week. Yeah. <laughs> to which you know Peter's like, or I guess Spider Man is like, all right, sure, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: okay, <laughs>
2: no big. Yeah. Um. So after that, we have a nice little like kind of match cut with the lines because Tombstone asks him, "Do we have a deal?" And then we cut to ESU where Arthur Connors tells Eddie that that's the deal. The deal being that Eddie has basically lost his job because with the loss of the alien life form the the department's funds have been drastically cut So as a result, they just can't afford to keep Eddie on the payroll. And then just one last little like jab is that without the job, Eddie says he can't stay in school.
0: See, this is like, I almost feel like there were, there could have been some shuffling of events Yep. because this to me makes so much sense. Like Mm -hmm. seeing the Eddie that we got last episode and knowing that this ends up happening, this to me could have been the snapping moment we were talking about.
2: I really, really, really think that that was the intention and I think just in the writing process and and breaking this arc there just wasn't a way to fit it in the order that it needed to fit
0: yeah when you're like uh working with time constraints you know like this isn't a like a netflix show where you can be like "Eh, you know what just go for the extra 45 seconds (laughs) yeah
2: and like timeline wise and everything because i I like the scene with him and mj on the date but it'll be really hard to place that like in this episode for example and you couldn't shove this scene and those scenes in the last episode either so I think that they were probably kind of caught in a corner, which you know if, if, if you've ever like written anything or done anything creative, like I think that that's not an uncommon thing where you just have mm-hmm. these pieces that are just not coming together right. So they instead used this as kind of like his final push to become venom rather rather than his final push to hate Peter. even yeah. though it maybe it wasn't the best the best way to project that arc, but it seems like it maybe it was the only way that they could do it in these circumstances.
0: Yeah, all the pieces fit. They're just sort of maybe not in the ideal order.
2: Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Eddie.
0: (laughs) I guess, I mean, Eddie had to get fired at some point, right? I know, right? It's just a thing. (laughs) Right, right. If he didn't
2: get fired, it wouldn't be a Spider-Man show. Exactly. So Um, so back at
0: Midtown High, Mary Jane joins Gwen for lunch. And Gwen is sort of lamenting the fact that she's she says misplaced her click. An attempt at humor to cover up your feelings, perhaps, Gwen and Stacey? Yep. And says she has no idea how to help her best friends, obviously, because, you know, Harry is off in Europe and Peter is a jerk. <laughs> MJ asks Gwen, very straightforwardly, because MJ has, you know, the highest EQ of anyone ever, <laughs> if she likes Peter, and Gwen sort of stutters over, admitting that she does, in fact, like him like him, but she doesn't even say this. MJ sort of just gets this. Gwen is, is clearly afraid of how a relationship could affect their friendship. Plus, obviously, there's conflicted feelings with Peter being, again, a total jerk in the moment. Yeah. But MJ's like amazing. Yeah. And like the best friend anyone could ever have, I guess.
2: <laughs> I love that like she's known these people for like a month. Maybe yeah. a month and a half. And she knows them better than anyone anyone yeah. else knows each she's other. She's almost
0: like a magical like shaman that just appears in a story and you're like, okay, I guess that you do have all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> I trust you because you are magical. <laughs> it's
2: so true. Yeah.
0: But yeah, Mary Jane offers support basically saying like, Gwen, if you do want more from the relationship. And I think she even says like, if you don't, that's fine. That's your choice. Like she offers this all as a choice and says, if you do want more from the, from your friendship with Peter, you're going to have to make the first move because Peter's never going to wisen up. And then she throws in a, you know, plus he's a boy. so I didn't <laughs> get it. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: uh, which is great.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, She's not wrong. <laughs> she's
0: fascinating in this series. He's and like now she... that I've seen the whole season, I'm so curious to know where she goes from here, which I guess will play in a little bit more to the next episode, but I'm just going to throw that in there for the time being to say, like, I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated by this version of Mary Jane. Yeah.
2: I, I absolutely adore that they took, the The character that everyone knows that that the mainstream just sees as Spider-Man's girlfriend. Yeah. And she's so, like... She's, she's like, outwardly, like, shipping, shipping him with another person. Like, she's so... She's just not... She's so not in it for that. Like, she's just this really fascinating connective tissue between, like, all of these different characters. Yeah. But
0: they've set her up in such a way that, like, it would be totally natural to eventually see her and Peter dating like everybody would expect because the 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 MJ that they have presented to us is one that would support Gwen and Peter because she sees that those two like each other and are holding back. Yeah. And isn't conflicted about it if she has her own feelings about Peter because maybe they're not as strong or maybe she's not into commitment or maybe she's just not there and those two are you know what i mean like yeah nothing's quote activated by her recognizing another girl is into a guy that likes her or that she might like
2: yes yes it's
0: i you know we we lavish praise on characters that have strong emotions and communication and oh my gosh mj you are just an icon (laughs) i wish
2: i wish there were more people in the world like mary jane watson from this I show wish
0: i were as good as mary jane watson right? my god <laughs> right
2: right i well just being able to like navigate the world socially <laughs> in, <laughs> in like just a pitch perfect way like yeah. that's such a superpower in uh, in and oh of my itself gosh. yeah so, she is
0: a superhero yeah she really that's is for sure
2: I also I appreciate this. This show is is pretty good with like characters having business to varying degrees. Like sometimes you'll have like uh like Gwen peeling an orange and in, like infinitely, <laughs> but this one <laughs> this one I really like the with with them at lunch and Mary Jane like has a whole process of like taking an apple out of her bag, eating the apple a little bit, and then eventually putting the apple back in the bag. Like it, it's super simple and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily add anything to the scene, but it's also like it it just continues to like make the world always feel fleshed out because the character, it just makes the characters feel more natural.
0: Well, it it's done well enough that it's not distracting. Cause yeah. I didn't notice it. You know what I yeah. mean? Which, which is good. If, if, if you are listening to that and thinking like, well, but why would it be good to put something in that you don't notice? That's, frequently the goal in animation is to do things that are natural in such a way that you don't notice them because there's all kinds of things happening in the real world that are natural that you don't notice yeah so if they're missing you notice (laughs) right right so that's that's great
2: yeah no i agree i think it's just like because if you compare it to like the 90s show which would do we'll do a lot of cool stuff with how its characters act in the nineties show, they'll have some of the, they'll have like good character acting a lot of times, but usually it's just like they just talk and occasionally like lift up their hands mm. just because of like the constraints in the animation. And right. so I appreciate this this show. I just noticed it a lot in these two episodes. I think because they they seem to do a lot of it in these two, especially. In, in the in the next episode that we cover, because the animation, they really kind of step up their game in that oh, one. Oh, yeah. But they're just really good. It was having, just having little, little facial expressions and little, like, hand movements and things for them to do. Like, they always know that when the characters are in a scene, they're not just sitting there and talking. They're always going to be doing something, something else which is really smart.
0: Yeah, they're, they're super good at it, but it's reminding me of something um, that I meant to ask you a couple scenes back. Mm-hmm. When Peter shows up at school and is sort of bombarded and we get the scene of Flash overhearing it, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell if this was my player or if it was the episode itself, but there were a couple moments where they were just showing someone's face and oh, there was no movement. I am
2: glad you brought this up. And that yeah. was
0: really weird. And I it was weird enough that I, I figured my player... Player was skipping but I think it nope. happened again so I think it's real
2: that's the thing that was actually burning my brain for a long time because it is very jarring and, and I, I have a feeling. So when he's confronting his friends, I know it explicitly, it cuts to Flash, which makes sense and it's Frozen, but then it also will... But it's
0: like Frozen right. Frozen. Right. Like and Flash it, does not move.
2: <laughs> right. But And then there's another one. Gwen, Gwen has a few lines in that scene. We never see her talking. They always either cut to Flash oh. or at one point they cut to a Frozen scene or a Frozen shot of MJ just staring at Peter while Gwen is talking, I think. And then it cuts back to Peter talking and then it, clo- so it, then might it cuts be like to an close
0: editing out. fix for something that happened. I think
2: that maybe some animation came back wrong or, oh. or like flawed and they just didn't have time to fix it. So yeah. So that was just the way to cover it up because they show that shot of flash, just staring at him unmoving twice. Yeah. And I don't think that like, that's bad because it's just kind of cutting, reminding us that flash is listening, but it makes the whole scene really jarring in a show that otherwise is kind of always moving.
0: Right. Yeah, it's really strange. And it's a strange thing to do in animation, especially because you get to choose what's happening on screen. It's a really common tactic on like uh, like a reality TV show, for example, because a lot of times the audio you're getting is being chopped together. And so you need Mm -hmm. to put something else on screen so that faces aren't doing that. Yeah. Um, But in animation, it's it's very bizarre.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think it was definitely coverage for, for something that they just didn't have time to fix.
0: Well, hey, they slipped up once. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, and you know, it almost—I I think it, it
2: weirdly kind of works for the scene because it's such an off-putting scene anyway. So, it, and it's an off-putting like series of shots too. So the I whole guess. thing is just like kind of awkward, you know.
0: Sure. Like,
2: this is just how I read into stuff. That's how I. That's how I do. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> Back at the hospital, Peter finds Eddie waiting for him again, and this time he is looking for a confrontation. Like he, oh boy, man, he was he was definitely like perched out outside, like knowing that Peter would eventually get there. Like, how long were you were you waiting there, Eddie? He's like the
0: hospital.
2: I guess he's like out of a job, so he has nothing to do now. I mean,
0: but like you could wait outside of school instead of waiting outside the (laughs) hospital. Like one of those things feels especially weirder. Although I guess yeah. waiting outside of school is pretty weird, too.
2: <laughs> it's weird. But either. it's a school in the middle of
0: downtown. Like, wait at the shop across the street. Like... <laughs> you
2: know what? I want... Well, this what makes it weirder, though, is because Peter, I think, is at the hospital because he just ditched school to go back to the hospital. So Eddie wouldn't necessarily know that he oh, would strange. be there. strange. Unless there was a, a little chunk of time that's missing. Maybe Eddie went to the school first, found that Peter had left or heard yeah. that Peter had left and then went to the hospital and met him.
0: There. Well, and you know Eddie and Gwen are still friends at this point. Like, it's yeah. not unreasonable to think that she shot him a text to say, like, "Hey, Peter, just like bailed." Like, yeah. it was really weird.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Either way, it's not a great look for Eddie. No, <laughs> no matter no. what. <laughs> um, as as our most looks of Eddie in these two episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember, remember Eddie, remember
0: Eddie Brock, the uh, mm-hmm. the shining ray of light. mm Hmm. Oh boy, if
2: he could see himself now. I wonder mm, like Eddie. I wonder if he would have enough self awareness, like if you showed if you showed Eddie Brock of episode like three footage of him in in this episode, like would he would he like what the fuck? Or would he just like rationalize it because of his own like weird like hang ups? Or think... would it just reaffirm his own like self hatred that he has anyway and it's like, Well yeah, of course I'd be mm. like that because I I I deserve to die.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I I want to believe in the ray of light, Eddie. So I like I would like to think that because I believe this is an Eddie who has been actively coping for a long time and probably has been part of you know has has been an active participant in therapy probably for a long time. I would like to think that before he gets to the point of snapping he sees that footage recognizes that he needs to do more work so it doesn't happen and does the work
2: so or i bet he i bet his therapist was dr kafka who is notoriously bad therapist Uh, she's like oh yeah i think you're coping very well with your rage issues eddie you're fine
0: (laughs) yeah the murderous thoughts are fine just don't murder anyone (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. well thanks kafka (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it all comes together.
0: Yes. All right. Well, <laughs> take your pick, everybody. <laughs>
2: <sighs> well, so, yeah. So Eddie's confronting Peter, blaming him for uh, for the loss of his job. Peter, of course, is like full on black suit v- version of himself right now. So he mm-hmm. shoves Eddie into the wall. Mm-hmm. That poor security guard. I think it's the same security guard from the opening, too, who was confused. <laughs> Um, sees this kid in the black shirt again, like doing, having suspicious activity. He checks on them, but, uh, but Eddie, um, Eddie and Peter like break it off and Eddie just immediately leaves without saying anything. Mm -hmm. Um, oh no, Peter specifically says to shove off permanently by the way, which is messed up.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Rude. (laughs) Mm -hmm. These two, man going through their shit at
2: the same time. Yeah. Not good. Not Not good. good. Not good. Not They're very good. toxic for each other right now. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because, you know, I feel like if either of them had had been able to let Gwen in earlier, I feel like she could have found some way to mediate maybe. Because she's been, she's heard of, she's heard their perspectives from both sides. Like she's heard Eddie ranting about Peter and will like try to help it, but then Eddie always just can kind of storm off. But I yeah. feel like if she was in the room with both of them, may, no, I don't know. She probably doesn't have enough like... uh I don't know if she would be like strong enough to be able to handle both of their, both of their like pissing contests.
0: Um, Have you seen the look?
2: True. True. <laughs> true.
0: Spoiler. Her own father um, <laughs> oh, was afraid yeah, of the look.
2: Right. That's true. That's a good
0: point. Yeah. No. Gwen they give that look it. like actual power. Like Gwen's superpower is the look. MJ's superpower is emotional intelligence um, and connectivity. Except, Clearly, Mary Jane's superpower is canceled out by Eddie's jealousy, so that she can't step in. But maybe if we could get get a look in here or there, yeah, you know, we could have we could have solved this.
2: Mm, mm, man, <laughs> man, that's the lesson. That's I mean, that's kind of the lesson of the season is that like. Pay more attention to Gwen. Give Gwen more screen time. Yeah. It should have solved a lot of problems. Yeah. Also,
0: um, let the girls be superheroes Mm because their powers are good. (laughs) They are. (laughs) Got some dope ass uh, superpowers over there, ladies. Yup. I love this next scene a lot. Dude,
2: right? right? I really,
0: really appreciate it. It's funny because we had in the same space, the exact same space we had Eddie deliver a very similar sort of message mm-hmm. but because Eddie and Peter are going through their shit at the same time and and butting heads, they're never going to listen to one another. but if you you throw a curveball um like this and it's like a real wake-up call so. What happens is in that same hospital lobby that Eddie spit the truth to Peter, but in a confrontational way, Peter runs into uh, Flash Thompson as he's ignoring a phone call from Gwen Stacy. And he says aloud when he's like hanging up the phone, she and Brock can attend a Pete's Such a Disappointment dance together, which is, of course, a dig at the fact that they went to the dance together, which is your fault, Peter.
2: Yeah, dude, like (laughs) low blow. They're not even there and it's still low blow. Like, Come on, man.
0: Yeah. Well so Flash Thompson's in the lobby and he overhears Peter trashing two of his friends and Flash would know Eddie because they would have been on the same football team together. Right. So he would know that Eddie is and Peter are super tight. So Flash responds to this thing that Peter said out loud with, are they selling tickets to that, or can anyone who thinks you're a jerk show up? Ah. And, you know, Peter sort of, like, angsts against that. But Flash cuts him off and says, like, yeah, yeah, your aunt's sick. Poor puny Parker. Even Sally feels bad for you, but not me. Which, at first, I was like, oh, my God, Flash. Like, what the hell? But then he goes on and says, if you're hanging up on the chic geek, that proves you're still a stuck up egghead, a guy who can't even see when his friends are trying to help, which damn, dude, (laughs) it actually made me really think a lot about Flash in this series, because up to this point, outside of being a Spider-Man fan, Flash has been a jerk um, and has been kind of a bully in the way that you would expect and was only maybe like a tier below you know the Kennys and the Sally's in this series, mm-hmm. but this really sort of fleshed him out in a way that I really, really appreciate. Yeah, and you know, look forward to seeing if we get more of in a way, mm-hmm. and I'll be really disappointed to see if we don't. It's like, oh my gosh, it's going to happen again! Everybody, get ready for your amazing Spider-Man movies. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> reference we of can't, the episode. We can't finish out the season
2: <laughs> without another reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, it
0: does, it does feel like those movies and this series are sort of like quantumly entangled. They are, they are. <laughs> which I which I'm okay with. Uh, yeah. I think it makes me appreciate them both just that little bit more. But sure. you know, in the Amazing Spider-Man movie, one of the most I guess humbling moments for Peter when he was coping with, um, I think it was Uncle Ben's death, right? Yeah, was having somebody like Flash show him compassion, which just proved to Peter who like didn't really know what to do with all of the emotions he was feeling. That, like, it's okay to feel things, and it's okay to do things with those feelings, mm-hmm. and there's kind of a good way and a bad way to do it. Yeah. And this is kind of like that, Um, and I really, really appreciate it. It makes me feel like Flash is actually, you know, maybe not a guy in high school I would have identified a whole lot with or hung out with, but can appreciate as an adult realizing that, like, He's probably really loyal to his friends, and he's probably really loyal to his teammates, and he probably would drop everything for those people. He just doesn't have everything figured out yet, so he's still sort of embroiled in the high school hierarchy.
2: Right, right, and and I and I really appreciate. I mean, it, this this get, it get ends up getting reiterated in the next one too, because I feel like you could, I feel like you could write it off as just being like, oh, well, it's just. He said the right, he happened to say a lot of the right words, but he was still bullying Peter ultimately. But then in the next episode, it's pretty clear that like he knew what he was doing when he was talking to Peter, which I really love that so much. Like, yeah, he's, he is actually a pretty insightful guy and he know and and a smart guy too. And he knows, uh, he knows, he knows what, what needs to happen to, to get through to Peter. Yeah. I mean, he, he pretty much is the only person who could have at this point, which is just so brilliant
0: yeah no i I think it's it's really great it's it's sort of um it's two people who have really strong values in two totally different areas that mm-hmm. can learn a lot from each other but don't see it because they only see each other's deficiencies. you know what I mean
2: yeah, yes,
0: and gosh they really they really put this in at the right moment and the right character, mm-hmm. and it's just really really well done so bravo,
2: yeah, and I also just just wonder the thing with the scene too. I like that in this one scene we established that like Flash does have some semblance of care for Peter and he, and the fact that he mentions that even Sally feels bad for you yeah. I think both of those things play into what ends up like happening in, later in this episode and and the kind of the conclusion of the next episode too Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm laughing because Sally in general. Oh, my God, I know, right? <laughs> just, oh, my God, what? Okay. <laughs> but no, that's a very good point. Um, it's it's important that they include that line there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, just more of that tightness we talk about with this show.
2: Yep, 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 yep. So uh, that, that really hits Peter hard as it should. So he's taking a swing around the city and kind of reflects on his interaction with Flash. Um, <laughs> the first line after, like when the scene starts is, <laughs> okay, if Flash Thompson's making sense, something must be seriously wrong.
0: Which good for him for recognizing that because yeah. he didn't have to, you know, like he's raging. So I'm glad that that something was able to get through and that he's able to hold on long enough to think about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely absolutely I mean, as we can see that that's pretty much the thing that he needed to get through to him um, mm-hmm. because that that prompts him to basically ask like every question that he's yeah. needed to ask for a long time
0: oh my gosh
2: <laughs> he's like why did you why did i blow off my friends how could i have just slept through an entire battle with six supervillains and like not think it was a big deal like mm-hmm. why would i ask tombstone for a job mm-hmm. and then i freaking love like how just like how it just segues into it where he's just like when did i start thinking in wheeze instead of eyes, (laughs) because that's been happening like for the last two episodes, and he has not really commented on it at all.
0: It's been so subtle too. Mm -hmm. Like they've done such a good job, like slipping them in and then just like slowly like raising the frequency of them, Mm -hmm. and then when he's at his most angry, or Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, typically when he's at his most angry, they start flying, so.
2: Right, and and the fact that, like, they use that kind of really common trope of Spider-Man monologuing and having his mm-hmm. inner monologues and inner thoughts, like, that's the thing that you expect, so it's not really out of the ordinary when you hear him talking to himself in his mm-hmm. head. And so then th- the fact that they kind of as they do with many many of the tropes, they weaponize that so that it's <laughs> like, oh dude, he was just having a conversation with the symbiote the whole time and didn't even realize it. Like that mm-hmm. wasn't just the traditional monologue, which he eventually comments on in a very frightening fashion when he realizes that it like those weren't my thoughts. Like which is just crazy. Like it I love that they that they took it in that direction because it makes it so like viscerally frightening.
0: Yeah. I I also like that they, they say it so directly. I like that they straight up have him say like, those weren't my thoughts Mm -hmm. because in the previous couple episodes, there were moments where we were sort of wrestling with like, is like, how much effect does the symbiote have at this point? Like we can't really tell. Um, And having, having him sort of put punctuation on it so directly, I think strengthens those moments of ambiguity because if it were left open-ended I don't know that I would. I would feel like it was as well crafted. Yeah. Because you're just sort of left wondering. Now you're left wondering, knowing that there is some sort of effect, and and you're never quite sure when it is. It almost creates this distrust of the character, as opposed to distrust of the of the the writing or the structure.
2: Yeah, that's so true. It definitely adds like rewatch value to it too. Because now. Ugh, yep. I mean, a lot this show is really good on that, honestly, like having been someone who has been going back and rewatching it, obviously mm-hmm. for this, it's just like when you know sort of the things that that it does later and the things that it are, that it is seeding, like yeah. there's so much fun stuff to look for, and like there's never there's never holes like it's always it's <laughs> always perfectly crafted so yeah it's it's so great. I just like their their version of the symbiote here is just so it's so wonderful in its in its subtlety and how it does everything and it's, yeah. and it's and everything that it's doing is just like it almost feels like so obvious like why why haven't we seen this made more explicit like in the other other iterations before or after you know
0: but it's it's like um it's one of those things that's it's not wildly different but it still feels refreshing and i think the answer to your question is because people are so attached you know what i mean people are yeah. so attached to the you know a particular type of venom story or symbiote story that they're almost running a risk tweaking it
2: true
0: and i i appreciate them for doing it you know
2: Mm -hmm. um
0: because it ends up feeling so different when they're really just sort of adjusting this setting and sort of turning that knob a little um but it makes such a massive difference
2: and if anything it's kind of closer to how the comics handled it than than like kind of the main prime like adaptations of it um you know like in the the way that it was that it was more of kind of like this um this like just kind of the quietly creepy horror story of like an alien taking over your body. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of dark Spider-Man stuff in this, sure. but it's not as like, it's not as hand, that's not really the prime sense of like fear in it. The main terror and horror of it is like, this thing is taking over me and becoming me. Essentially. Well, you, know what,
0: you know what they've managed to do is they've managed to do something that they couldn't quite accomplish with the goblin, which is to take, an experience people had reading a, you know, biweekly or monthly comic book and having the story slowly revealed to them over time mm-hmm. and mimicked that feeling over the course of a, of what, an hour? <laughs> true. <laughs> over a couple yeah. episodes of television. That's true. You know, with the Goblin, it was hard because the, the thing with the Goblin was an identity mystery. And how do you really do that? But this one, I, I don't know if I could articulate how they've managed to do it, but- that slow realization that this isn't just a suit, that this isn't just an enhancement or an augmentation that this is a living creature, they managed to really condense that in a way that not much is lost, if anything.
2: yeah, I think that I think a big part of it was having the smarts to to like we said in the last our last episode, like augment it like use it to augment other stories. so the yeah. focus wasn't always on it. So it was always. The spotlight was elsewhere. (laughs) Yeah. So every time that we would check in with the symbiote, there was always just like an extra little tiny, like little inching of development or furthering of it that we would, that if we only saw those pieces, it would be like super obvious and straightforward. But because we're only checking in with it in the background or occasionally, then it's sort of like, oh, this is, this is a little different now, huh?
0: It's that layering again. And that's such a great point. Yeah. 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 I just want to watch everything they have ever done now. Stretch Armstrong, here we go. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we're diving in, man.
2: (laughs) So, so yeah, so, ooh, this is when it gets real, real good. So, um, once Spidey's really catching on to all of the stuff, um, he stops by at a nearby cathedral bell tower. And upon like coming to the realization, like we said, that he understands that not all of his thoughts are his own. So the symbiote is actually like a real sentient being. He tries mm-hmm. to just pull it right off of him. And, and it's funny because it, it really seems like, oh, this is just going to be the iconic scene. He hits the bell tower, rips it off we're done like real early in the episode i guess the rest of the episode maybe he will fight venom or something i don't know um and then it just takes us for a real curveball which i love so freaking much
0: both of these episodes do a really good job of balancing that meta and what's in front of you knowing that some some viewers are expecting something when they see the setting or the situation um and really subverting it in a way that's beneficial to the story that you're watching Uh
2: uh-huh uh-huh and it is it is funny because like i mean when you were watching this when this this sequence started happening like six minutes in the episode like what what were you thinking was gonna happen did you feel like he was just gonna take it off in this scene and it was just gonna go naturally or
0: yeah well what i was wondering was i mean what i was very very um specifically wondering is like how does how does eddie get here like i don't understand right how he's going to be over here. I also, you know, I talked about the the Goblin story sort of humbling my expectations and sort of like recalibrating the way I watch the show. And I do think that helped because I, that is what I was wondering and just thinking like, okay, how are they going to tell this story that I'm familiar with? And it allowed me to just roll with it. But yeah, that's that's where I was at was like, what, like, how does Eddie get here? I I, <laughs> I, I, I did think that what was probably going to happen was, you know, we're going to get, the sort of bell tower scene from the nineties, Eddie's going to get the symbiote shortly thereafter. And then I figured the bulk of the middle of the episode was going to be an unaware Peter and Spider-Man, and then sort of focus more just on like Eddie and almost have Peter take like a back seat. That's sort of like what my sure. brain was preparing for.
2: Which would have been fine. It would have been, it would have been fine. fine, but it, it wouldn't, wouldn't have be been this. the masterpiece that this episode is. Yeah.
0: I will say like knowing that it was happening 6 minutes in did sort of prompt me to start wondering yeah. and then when we started getting what we got, I was so like I was so confused and I guess as we go through it I'll explain like which parts kind of had me really like baffled isn't the right word, but just confused as to what I was supposed to be mm-hmm. experiencing, which pays off in the end. By the way, <laughs> pays yeah. off big time. Yeah. No, this episode <laughs> I, takes
2: you on a real journey for sure.
0: Threw me for a big loop. Yeah. Going from one I, one thing I recognized uh, very very <laughs> much to something that was just totally. totally off the wall
2: (laughs) (laughs) yep so what happens is the 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 thing that we expect starts to happen he's like there's a bell i hit the bell oh whoa vibrations hurt hurt the symbiote oh wonder where that's gonna go with oh it's Mm -hmm. my weakness the symbiote even confirms like yeah we don't like the vibrations it's our weakness oh no oh wow okay i guess he could just use that to rip it off nope (laughs) instead um the symbiote's like it doesn't matter because we're so closely bonded at this point nothing can split us apart. Split us I know. Apart now.
0: I love that the villain shit talk was like legit where he was like, that's not enough to stop me. Like yeah. we hear that all the time, but like, no legitimately like the sound yeah. waves will not be enough, buddy. Yeah,
2: Which again <laughs> is, is another brilliant thing because it's sort of like, it's kind of a silly weakness for something so powerful, but it's like, that's not, that's its physical weakness, but it's real strength is like, it's emotional strength, which right. we we'll learn very shortly as the symbiote starts wrapping uh, Peter and also itself into a black cocoon and attempts to fully take over his mind. And it leads into like the best part of this episode, which is like a battle to the center of the mind, a battle <laughs> in the center of the mind, which is like, I mean, I'm a sucker for that trope. Like in anything, like that's my favorite thing to see. It's my favorite thing, favorite thing to write. So like, this is my favorite episode of of the of, of the season for sure. But <laughs> it's just well, like. So that was it's
0: meta great. for me too. Like that added a layer of meta because I was like, I know that one of these two episodes is his favorite episode and I oh, don't know yeah. which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> Before we dive into that battle of the mind, I just want to put some praise on the uh, sequence of Venom actually like wrapping him up. I like yeah. that the camera sort of like in the cor- like a different corner of the bell tower. So you sort of see it from a distance, uh, mm-hmm. not like a far distance, but just like, some like a a different part of the room i guess Mm -hmm. and then he just one by one shoots strands up at the ceiling until peter's sort of like totally like strung up and then he sort of does like a a cocoon thing it's sort of like this episode's like moment of old school horror movie yeah
2: yeah it's really (laughs) well done yeah
0: i want to know what horror movies these guys watch
2: oh yeah that's true i mean because i feel like some of this stuff it's got to be like a uh, inspired like directly from, from yeah. some stuff because you can kind of there, th- this and the next episode both have like really kind of some, some specific like horror vibes that I feel like are have to be in like if they're not, like, an homage, like, they're just definitely trying to riff on, like, the vibe and energy of, like, specific horror movies that they saw.
0: I mean, that's the whole, that's this is whole series so far, though. It's just absolutely <laughs> littered with, like, true horror, if not specific references, like you said, just, in, like, inspired moments. Um, and that, there's just no way they're happening by accident.
2: <laughs> there's definitely a lot of, like, Cronenberg body horror stuff happening yeah. throughout this whole show. It's Some, great. like, John Carpenter type stuff. like. Ugh. Definitely feel it. Yeah. I'm I'm into it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I will, I'm, I will start this part because this is where I thought the most, Uh, this is where I was the most in my head about what I was watching. And then I'm just going to let you take over since it sounds like, like this is, this is uh, very much your thing. Um, And I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about it. Um, But when the internal struggle happened or started happening It begins with almost like a nightmare, like an anxiety nightmare, where Uncle Ben is there, but Peter can't actually reach him. And he's, like, conscious of the fact that he's already lost Uncle Ben, so it's not like he's tricked into thinking Uncle Ben is there. He, like, knows Uncle Ben's already died. And just can't reach him, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, like an anxiety dream. But then what it turns into is like a pretty standard origin story. Yeah. And when that happened, I was like, wait a second. (laughs) Like, hold up. Like, we're not doing an origin story 12 episodes in, especially one that we've all seen before. And I was like very worried when it started. Sure. Because I was like, this is such a weird device to go down this road with. And that's where like the meta of knowing this was your favorite episode started like poking at my brain where I was like, if this is all going to be an origin flashback just to sort of like motivate him, surely this is not, this is not the one. <laughs> Cause <laughs> I didn't think that that would be something that you'd be like, that's the greatest. Right. Right. So like, as far as my first time watching headspace, that's where I was. And I was like, okay, like trust the process we'll see what happens like if this ends when the flashback like when the origin story flashback ends like pause and vigorously write your notes but until then <laughs> uh, write it out and like I, I don't know it was um that's kind of where i i got real scared for a moment yeah. well it makes sense <laughs> I, I didn't trust enough
2: it makes sense too because it th- this little mini sequence of the origin it's so so heavily like ripped from the Raimi movies specifically, Mm -hmm. like specific lines, specific shock shots. Like it's kind of frustrating when you're watching it at first because you don't know, you know, you don't know how long it's going to go. So it's sort of like, well, really like, come on.
0: Well, and you don't expect this type of storytelling to happen for so long. I mean, like, like I, I wasn't prepared for an unconventionally structured episode. So I didn't expect this to last longer than a minute or mm-hmm. so you know like mm-hmm. i figured it would only last the duration of an origin flashback um so i certainly wasn't prepared for this to last even longer so yeah, yeah i was that's exactly how i was feeling where i was like really like you're just gonna animate the scenes we've already seen in other movies
2: <laughs> yeah but i think that's what makes it kind of fascinating is because then they y- you don't realize it until afterwards that, that they're not quite like they're you're they're cutting around a lot of stuff they're doing mm-hmm. a lot of they're doing a lot of like it's it's very condensed and and then and I didn't you don't even notice that like you're missing the great power great responsibility scene. I feel like until after they revisit it.
0: Yeah, definitely not.
2: Um so and like so a lot of the stuff is it ends up being essentially played like out of order. But yeah, so when you're watching it it's like well this is kind of lame and a little weird, but it works definitely, I think, better on rewatch. But then I think you start to realize, like, as it's unraveling, that they're not really, they're not showing everything. They're cutting stuff in kind of artful ways. Like they'll, like the way that uh, that Peter, like, falls when he first learns to climb a wall. Yeah. And then immediately he has the web shooters and it's a scene where he's trying those out. And then the Spider-Man costume just kind of, like, flows over him. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff.
0: Well, it also, I mean, it, it. It works for that reason, but it also works because it's more than that. Like, if you haven't gathered that already, like, this is much more than just the origin story. And I think that they accomplish what they do next by setting you up to be like, you've seen this before, but let me just, let me just... uh... Remind you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And it's
2: also like, it it also functions... I don't even
0: think it's a reminder necessarily. I think it's the thing that you are so frequently telling me to trust, which is Mm -hmm. they know what you're thinking. So True. if I am sitting there at home watching this thinking, I've seen this before. Like what are you doing right now? Your yeah. advice to me is they know. Like they know that you are <laughs> thinking that. Like so they have more in their in you know, in their yeah. back pocket. They know that you're thinking. It's not it's not just a reminder. It's a it's like a conscious effort to shape your thought process. Yeah. So that when it gets twisted or shattered there's a stronger effect
2: yes which i think there definitely is real just real quick like a little bit of trivia yeah crusher hogan in this in this the, the wrestler in the sequence is mm-hmm. uh voiced by jim cummings oh <laughs> yeah like what a random like bit role to bring him in for it's <laughs> <That's> so funny <laughs> yeah i
0: wonder yeah. how that works I, i'll have to i'll have to find out how that works um when they do like an extra line here or there like are they doing those as favors or do they have to like Be cast. I I know they wouldn't go through the whole process, but like, is there a contract written up that like has all of the lines in advance to say like, hey, if you're signing this contract to play, you know, this large character, we also want to make sure that we're looping you in on this contract to, you know, do three to five lines of extras or something. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Like, mm -hmm. I I would love to see how they how they did that.
2: Well, has has he been anybody else on this show? He was Shocker in the '90s show, but I feel like this is so far his only. role in this one which makes a good point which is i don't know (laughs) more interesting because now it's like two 90s show spider-man characters coming in playing other iconic spider-man characters from his origin story okay Um, without if
0: if the answer is yes without telling me who does he play any main characters later
2: uh i don't remember if he does so if he does it's nobody that's what stands out to me okay. going through my head of like main characters. I don't recall hmm. him paying anybody, which, so, which makes it even weirder. So yeah, that like, is so
0: strange then. Well then maybe it's, I mean, maybe it's even bigger than that, right? Maybe it's uh sign on for this big role here. And then within the studio, we also want you to, I don't, I don't well, know.
2: It could be, Yeah, it could be, or, he did or favor it could be for that somebody. they're
0: all just, yeah, they're all just buds.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, but anyway, so yeah, so we go through the basic origin story um, and we basically get to the point where the, the typical point where Peter, realize spider-man realizes that um the person who killed uncle ben was the guy he let go at the wrestling match as we've seen before um and that's pretty much where the origin stops yeah so that then so th- we've realized which is this, this is this is like the big turn of uh of the sequence is like the symbiote starts to come in and kind of narrate and yeah. essentially we realize that this isn't like a, a flashback that peter's having to give him hope this is like a memory that the symbiote is inducing basically making him relive like his worst trauma in his entire life to show him how miserable he actually is and how much the world has taken away from him.
0: Mm Hmm. Yeah. He's, you know, the symbiote is trying to replace memories and sort of incept emotions that weren't necessarily there before or in the way that they are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so sinister (laughs) it's sinister but what it does is it 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 shows us on the screen the types of things that the symbiote does that we can only kind of trust that it does you know like when we even when we get the the monologue the internal monologue in two different voices there's still like a lot of trust there where you're just sort of like okay that's a different voice so like it's happening but they never show how and this is kind of a how This is sort of like, let us show you what it does inside your brain Yeah, (laughs) when you're not looking.
2: (laughs) It makes, yeah, like it basically takes memories that are technically real and authentic and like emotions that you were feeling, but like heightening all the wrong ones and like putting the wrong context on them. So it's like this thing that has fueled Peter for such a long time that's given him like the drive to be a hero. It's instead just turning it in, like using the exact same memory, the mm-hmm. exact same events, and essentially being like, this is your reason why you shouldn't be a hero. This is a reason why you should rely on me because I'm the only one who makes you happy because you're obviously not happy because this happened to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes the symbiote's access to your mind way more terrifying than I think it's ever really been, mm-hmm. a, at least in, in anything I've read or watched, way more terrifying than I've been shown thus far because you know it's it's terrifying because it has access to your your relationships and your knowledge and it's always sort of wielded in a now i know all of your secrets which is certainly threatening but this is very different than that this is not just i have access and i can use it externally this is i have access and i can i can reprogram you yeah i can i can fuck your reality up
2: yeah which is so terrifying
0: yeah, well, it's the it's the losing your mind thing that we talked about being so terrifying in the Frump episode, yeah. where Frump is basically is changing reality for the people around him. That's what the symbiote's doing inside, mm-hmm. um, internally for any of its hosts.
2: Mm-hmm. And it makes it and it's um it's even creepier the way that Peter kind of fluctuates in and out of being lucid of 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 what's happening. Like he sometimes he'll be aware that this is a memory. Other times he he is just living. He's just like playing yeah. out the memory and acting it out. And it's just like the 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 thing that was that really struck out to me is at the beginning of it. Well, first of all, we kind of see how much like guilt he puts like on the whole Uncle Ben situation, mm-hmm. just being on um on him becoming Spider Man in the first place, like getting the spider bite, because he's just sort of like, if I don't get bit by the spider, nothing bad will ever happen in my life. Everything will be fine.
1: Yeah. And then
2: when he gets bit by the spider, it, the way that he delivers, like the not again line, <laughs> it's like heartbreaking. Like it's devastating. Yeah. But yeah, so we're, we're, like I said, we're essentially seeing like his worst, the worst days of his life reliving the worst day of his life and uncle ben died but then casting it in the shadow of being spider-man and making that whole like everything about that essentially being like this is proof that the universe is shitting on you um mm-hmm. essentially so um but that that then actually like transitions because the uh, basically like Every, the, whatever is like left of Peter's strength or his, uh, his like goodness or like his, um, I don't know, just like his drive or whatever manifests itself into like Uncle Ben's memory. Um, so Uncle Ben ends up becoming like this, uh, kind of like this like shaman spirit guide in his <laughs> dream kind of dream guide kind of thing.
0: Yeah. It's Uncle Ben's almost like his totem or his anchor. Yeah. Like when all else fails, like that's his centering point.
2: Yeah, it's real cool because we we transition into the missing scene that we didn't get that basically like removed all the context from from Spider-Man's origin story. Mm-hmm. We finally revisit the scene in the car where Uncle Ben does relay the whole with great power comes great responsibility speech. Um which Ed, Ed Asner does like delivers all that really well, by the way. That whole yeah. the whole scene is really well done. Um it's it's what we saw like in the movies, but it's just like it's tweaked a little bit. Um, but it's sort of, like, now re-giving context to why his origin story is ultimately a hopeful one and not just a tragic one. Mm -hmm. Of course, like, Venom, uh, or the Venom symbiote, like, in the Black Spider-Man form, uh, pops into the car and starts also talking to them. I love all this stuff, because it's all just, like, conversations between, like like, spiritual entities, essentially, just, like, manifesting <laughs> yeah. in his mind.
0: Consciousnesses.
2: Yeah, these different consciousnesses <laughs> just talking about Peter. He pops in, and is sort of like, none of this, like, matters. Like, yeah, oh, that's all real nice. Really nice words, but they don't mean anything. Um, you, We still lost Uncle Ben, no matter what... Uplifting things he told us, and oh my god, I love this so much. The Uncle Ben manifestation says like he did, not you, but that's not the point. (laughs) So it's uh, just—it's so good. Well, the the
0: symbiote tries to say like like we didn't lose Uncle Ben. Like the world took Uncle Ben. You know, like he tries like like you were saying, like erase the types of guilt and feelings and stuff. Yeah, and that's it's it's really kind of um it's, it's such a subtle change in thought process that really drives the way that Peter's been acting. And also pre symbiote, to be honest, like we, we saw some of the stuff, some of the thought processes that Peter had were like not owning certain things that he should own a little bit more. And so it's, it's, possible this is just a vulnerability that venom recognizes and is like well he already struggles with this idea of like this is a consequence to my action versus this is a thing that the world is doing to me so let's just poke that a little bit more
2: yeah yeah and that ends up playing into like peter's realization i think at the end of the next the the next episode where it's just like that that subtle difference you're right Mm -hmm. between between like the world did this to me versus like I have to take responsibility for like myself after after you know after what happened. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so it's so interesting, and it really it's just like kind of interrogating like the entire crux of like Spider-Man's origin story and like where he started, and and kind of like I really like that it's essentially digging into like what what all of it actually means. Like we know the mm-hmm. plots and the and the tragedy of it, but like what what is he actually what is he and we actually learning from that story and just like ah man i just love the way that we have these two two like uh, two entities like battling each other over like the greater (laughs) the greater morality and meaning of this like grand tale it's so cool it's so cool
0: yeah it's it's good it's so good when a cartoon can make you be like god i could be so much better like (laughs) like that's 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 uh powerful art right there
2: yeah yeah and and ultimately the goal of the symbiote is to essentially like lead peter onto the path to like just cast off pretty much everything in the universe except for the symbiote like you Mm -hmm. can't everything gets taken away from you your life sucks you can only trust me which uh like i said that's what uncle ben is a sort of like You aren't part of this equation This this is all about This is just about Peter And it's not right anyway It's actually not correct
0: I Uh. love (laughs) so much that Uncle Ben Like is willing to say like I was not taken from you. Who are <laughs> no. you? Like you, where do you even come from? Like, how dare you <laughs> take that and own that? That's not yours. It's so Like, good. it's not your trauma. It's not your tragedy. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't get to choose how it's dealt with.
2: Uh, it's so, oh, uh, it's so good. It's so good, man. And then, and then we get a replay of another scene again, kind of taking us back a little bit this is when we get to like the continuation of Peter confronting the carjacker that killed uncle Ben. And, Oh, this is so good because this is where it actually deviates from the Spider-Man movie that it was riffing so much on. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that was one I talk about it a lot actually in the Spider-Man three video that I had, but one problem that I had with the original Spider-Man movie was like the, the kind of awkwardness of like the carjacker just dying. Like when Peter confronts yeah. him, like I know why they did it. He saw Peter's face, blah, blah, blah. He would know his identity or whatever. But he, like, trips and falls and dies, and Peter can't save him. And it kind of... There's some weirdness with that. This, yeah. this, this scene completely flips that. It actually makes that kind of, like, the point where Peter solidifies himself as, like, a hero. Like, where he actually fully embraces his responsibility and really internalizes Uncle Ben's words, like, for real. Mm-hmm. Because... He wants to take his vengeance, which the symbiote's like, Yeah, okay, like obviously you've proven my point. And Uncle Ben's like, Oh, hold up for a second, see what he actually does. So, um, I
0: know I love that so much. <laughs> it's
2: so good. What
0: does he say? Like, uh, he, he's almost sarcastic, if not like definitely sarcastic, where he's like, Go ahead, watch him get his vengeance. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> see oh, what that so actually good. means.
2: <laughs> oh, it's so good. So, Peter does, um, he throws the carjacker out the window, but then catches him with his web line. And he's like, I should avenge you, but Uncle Ben wouldn't approve. With great mm-hmm. power comes great responsibility.
0: Which means they included both versions of the phrase. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uncle Ben, they used Uncle Ben to, to do the full, like, with great power must come great responsibility. Uh-huh. And then they uh, they managed to uh, please everybody by also putting in the, the shortened version of just with great power
2: comes great responsibility. Oh uh, <laughs> it's so good. It's just like this not like everything every Spider-Man fan ever wanted, honestly. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, after that point, Uncle Ben enters again, and he's like, "That kiddo was only the beginning." And then we get a whole montage of him saving mm-hmm. people so like heroic music. It's so beautiful.
0: Yeah, because Ven- Ven- I think Venom tries to be like, "Eh, big deal. Like, no big. That's <laughs> d- like one thing. Who cares?" Yeah. And then, yeah, just the montages. Uh, Gosh. Uh.
2: Uh, it's it's These are like
0: legitimately emotional episodes. Yeah, I of them.
2: can't. I this one I definitely tear up during all of this Uncle mm-hmm. Ben stuff here. Yeah. Um. I mean, part of it is because Ed Asner is just like he just sounds like you're the grandpa that you always wanted. <laughs> but yeah. Oh man, it's so good. But yeah, the, there's a montage of of Spider Man saving people, which is great. The one that I think is even better is that Venom then bursts in. It's just sort of like, okay, yeah, you've done great stuff. I've helped you do great stuff. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't matter. I'm still the only one that cares about you. And that's when Uncle Ben's like, mm, I don't think so. And then he gets a montage of all of his friends and family and everyone who loves uh, him.
0: I'm getting goosebumps. <sighs> I'm still getting goosebumps. <laughs> just thinking about it. We're not even yeah. watching it.
2: I know. I've definitely like, these are the scenes that I've rewatched <sighs> many, many times. Uh, they're very uplifting
0: yeah well what i love about this is it's like for for anyone who's struggled with like mental health or like specifically like anxiety or depression or the types of of things that sort of warp your perception in in social context especially i feel like could really appreciate these 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 uh these scenes because you have venom like manifested as the types of thoughts that tell you like, you don't Mm -hmm. matter. Nothing you've done is worth anything. You have no one. Like he literally says those things, which are ways that people often describe the types of sort of like uh, mental health struggles that they are are, are battling. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you're almost sitting there watching like somebody beat up your own demons. It's like amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very so, cool. It's
2: so uplifting. <laughs> it is so uplifting. I love it. And I also, I think it's important to point out in that friend montage, um, it begins and ends with Gwen and she's also the one that pops up the most.
0: Oh. It.
2: Yeah. Nice. Uh-huh nice little nice little bit of like foreshadowing there i think Mm -hmm. yeah yeah man oh god the whole stuff it just gets me it really gets to me for sure it's good yeah so well that that is enough to ultimately like empower (laughs) peter um so he's like yeah dude okay i'm not alone in this and so uncle ben tells him to go get him kiddo Uh,
0: (laughs) such a good line such a good delivery
2: (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. Just want to go
0: know. like punch a bad guy.
2: Right, right. <laughs> um,
0: I will go get him. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh man. So they uh, there's a brief little fight between Spider-Man and like the black suited Spider-Man that, that the symbiote is like uh, manifesting as inside of his mind. It's real cool. Like as they jump on like the non-existent walls of his head space, yeah. like it turns into webs. It's so great. Um, And then there's even a point when it's just like, like, he, he fights him off, and then the symbiote's like, nah, dude, I'm still powerful. Like, it becomes, like, this just giant, like, floating face yeah. in his head. and makes him start to drown in, like, the symbiote ooze. Mm-hmm. It's nightmarish. But then Uncle Ben pulls him out, and then we get this really, really, really neat shot of um, Peter, like, uh, in a Spider-Man, or Spider-Man in a Spider-Man pose, and then the floating heads of, like, all of his friends and family that, like, back him and that care about him that's like exactly the amazing spider-man and ultimate spider-man number 100 covers (laughs) which is a really great really cool way to do a homage to like a very abstract cover, yeah. Like, of all the cool like cover homages that you could do, like that's the one that's like the most impossible because it's so weird.
0: Yeah, you and you're like, how would I do this without it being corny? Well, here you go. Take yep. notes. <laughs>
2: yep. it's so cool. And you know, I really love the differentiation that this show makes, or not really the differentiation, like the the specificity of like it's people who care about you, like people you might not classify as your quote unquote friends or your family, but that doesn't mean that you don't have people. In your life that care about you, like he wouldn't call J. Jonah Jameson or like the is, or like Norman Osborne or whatever his friends, yeah. but they're people to varying degrees who have shown that they care about him and his well-being in one way or another, mm-hmm. or which is why I think like having flash having his moment earlier and specifically mentioning that even sally feels bad for him so they can be included in that montage too because it's like they don't <laughs> well. have to like be. F- well i mean i, think I don't
0: think they're in this one i think they show up in the second one the second I- one
2: bugs me good where sally's standing yeah. in the second one for yeah. sure i think i'm Sal- sure we'll
0: dive into that one uh, very deeply because it's yeah. not just sally in that second one
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i think sally is in in this one maybe she's just oh, in the is montage. she oh, okay Um, I, 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 I'm not sure actually now I'm second guessing it, but even still, I think that is an important distinction to make that it's sort of like you could, I can, I can sort of see when you're at your lowest point and making a list of like, well, I only have like two friends, but it's sort of like, that doesn't mean that like, even if it's people you don't hang out with in your everyday life, it doesn't mean that you don't have people that care about you.
0: Yeah. There are, yeah, there are so many people that care about you that you aren't looking at or thinking about. Yeah. Pe- other people caring for you has nothing to do with your active thought process of them you know what i mean mm-hmm. sort of like uh out it, it's 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 external people caring about you has nothing to do with you deciding it
2: <laughs> uh-huh um well so those those floating heads are basically like representative of everyone that cares about them it like merges into them oh and i forgot to say too right before that happens i like i really like um the the line delivery where both he and uncle ben at the same time say like i'm stronger than you think Mm
0: -hmm. and then
2: uncle ben kind of like merges into him so it's sort of like this manifestation of his psyche this whole time finally like returns to like him like he finally like forms back together into like a, a whole person again did we mention
0: um that uncle ben like reaches out and grabs him from the the ooze
2: oh uh, maybe like i don't know if i'm casually mentioned up yeah it's cool is when he's sinking into the that. ooze oh yeah uncle ben reaches out and it's sort of like again like just this actual tangible manifestation of like the love and support that he grew up with that has finally like been instilled in him and yeah become his strength it's so beautiful
0: it's really really great so i like it a lot <laughs> it's just like
2: anytime that Abstract feelings and emotions can be like manifested into something physical that we see on screen. (laughs) It's like the beauty of art and like the beauty of like visual, the visual medium in general, you know?
0: Yeah. (sighs) Uh, It can do so much. And I, I appreciate, I appreciate when creators, especially creators that you wouldn't necessarily expect or might not expect themselves given their context to tackle. Yeah. I appreciate that they do it. Yeah, you know, like if if <laughs> if I told somebody like, "Oh yeah, one of the most like emotionally impactful um, you know, pieces of art that I've consumed lately that really sort of like made me examine myself and reflect and sort of like push my introspection further was um, yeah, a Spider-Man cartoon from 10 years ago." <laughs> I think they'd be like, "Excuse me?" Yeah, but that that's all true. You know, like it, it's it's the type of episode that I mean, just personally speaking, like really affected me and was like, "I I feel like I have a lot to think about. Like, like I feel like that's uh-huh. what the episode does. <laughs> Same.
2: I think that's why it hit me so hard when I watched it the first time. And, and anytime I rewatch it, cause it's like a nice like reminder of like, mm-hmm. don't maybe don't, uh don't, don't dwell so much on those terrible thoughts that you have, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and it's really, it's really like inspiring for me too, because I will, I think knowing other, a lot of other Greg Weissman stuff, I think like, his strong suit has always been like, he writes great plots. He plots things amazingly. And he's a really like deep thinker about things. He writes amazing characters and great ensembles, but I wouldn't necessarily call him like a super highly emotional writer. Mm-hmm. Un- except for this episode, because this episode proves that wrong because he obviously can do emotional things and really fully understands like <laughs> feelings and human emotion yeah. extremely well. And I'm like, okay, I was, was wrong like, not to necessarily
0: think that. ability. It's just preference.
2: <laughs> right? Exactly. It's sort of like, maybe that, maybe it's just because that stuff just doesn't fit into a lot of the other stuff yeah. he writes, but nope, he's a good uh, emotional writer and he writes good feelings. So mm-hmm. good job, Greg Weissman. Yes. You're just, thank uh, you. Good at everything. basically. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's really, it's really, really great. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad it went in the direction that it went, because, like (laughs) I said, I was, I was worried. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and, uh, mm, as this fight's happening, as he delivers blows to, like, the this the, the like symbiote like manifestation in his mind we have really quick, cool quick cuts to the cocoon of like every punch mm-hmm. that he lays in his mind like there's a little like mini punch or blow <laughs> delivered from within the cocoon too as yeah. it's breaking out it's so cool
0: yeah, no, I like that a lot. <laughs> that was really, really cool.
2: <sighs> but yeah, but unfortunately, that's the end of the cool abstract mind fight things. Um, because <laughs> he, does, he does eventually uh, uh, destroy the symbiote in his mind in a real cool way. Like it like dissolves and disintegrates into like a burst of light. Yeah, uh, it's so cool. And that brings us into, unfortunately, the real world. <laughs> oh,
0: gross. Real world. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. It it sort of
0: explodes off of uh, the cocoon itself sort of explodes off of him. Um, he is able to, you know, with with the sort of strength he's garnered from that experience and the advantage that he's gained, you know, mentally and emotionally, he's able to to tear the suit off. I think he still uses the bell. Yeah, he does to assist him, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is just smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then puts it into what I'm I'm going to assume is a metal bucket, so that he can just sort of like hit it with a spoon all the way to the next location.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs>
0: but, but I think it's uh, it's the second episode. They kind of establish that the symbiote on its own, at least at this point, really is not. It's really not much of anything. Like it's pretty pitiful
2: yeah yeah it's well i i, I kind of dig that it's just sort of like it's it's all of its strengths lie in its mind powers basically. Yeah,
0: yeah no i appreciate it because i do think you know if it's one of the things that's so intriguing and cool about it is the symbiotic relationship so if it's if it's too capable on its own why would then it need a host? yeah yeah it makes it makes those relationships feel a little bit emptier
2: yeah i really like that this that peter ripping it off like it super super explicitly doubles down on like the uh the romance the romance metaphor of all of it like yeah explicitly i dig that so much like they're not even hiding it it's just sort of like sorry Simbi we're no good together (laughs) consider yourself dumped
0: yeah i was not expecting this show to uh, touch upon the like romantic uh undertones that are frequently there Mm -hmm. but this is only the tip of that iceberg (laughs) yeah yeah so good for them. I mean, they really touched on so many different things with with the symbiote. I mean, they touched on how it's sort of addictive in a sense. They touched on sort of the mental health component of it. They touched on the like romantic or at least sort of like almost carnal relationship <laughs> that uh-huh. you could have to it. They they kind of like checked a bunch of boxes I wasn't expecting.
2: Mm-hmm. And in a way that doesn't it doesn't feel disjointed. Like it all it no. all fits in really well. And I think it's because it's all centered on just sort of like kind of like this emotional like dependence thing that it does yeah i think like centering it on that like a, a lot of a lot of those like the mental health addiction and like romance carnal sexual relationship stuff yeah like all kind of springs from like emotional dependence issues you know mm-hmm. which is just uh it's so it's so well done they just have such a such a great understanding of like what the symbiote at is at its, at its core because the horror yeah. of it all is also really well done too
0: Yeah, it's, oh, it's so good. It's so funny. It's so in contrast with, I think, I think it was like a 2003 comic that I read that was like a, a Venom comic that was supposed to be like very inspired by John Carpenter's The Thing. Sure. And it's like a cool comic, but it has like almost nothing to do with Venom because it's just sort of like this, this monster like <laughs> in the mm-hmm. Arctic and you're like, Oh, you know, it's cool. But like none of this, it has none of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just sort of like a body possession thing. And and this could, could not be further from just a body possession <laughs> thing.
2: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, after Spidey gets it in that metal bucket, he does, um, he does go to Dr. Connors' lab with the symbiote. And uh, so he's confronted by Eddie who, <laughs> We can kind of see what his mindset is because
1: Yeah.
2: actually, this is actually kind of interesting because it, it's, it's a really, really close like connection to what Peter was going through because the symbiote was trying to make Peter believe that the universe was pretty much out to get out to get him. No one, no one cared about him. And we see Eddie explicitly be like, I'm going to pack up my thing. So the Connors, what do you say? His Connors don't want to see him beaten. Like the Connors were out to get him by firing him
0: yeah, um, is what his like mindset that.
2: is. Which you know, which is exactly what the symbiote would would want mm-hmm. from a person.
0: Yeah, Eddie exhibits all the sort of things that the symbiote would would be very easily able to take advantage of. Mm-hmm.
2: I also theorized too uh, that there's like a couple of moments early in the episode when he's confronting like black t-shirted Peter, yep. where like he'll bump into it and the symbiote yep. kind of reacts. And I think that that was meant to be like the symbiote first recognizing, getting a taste, getting a taste <laughs> of Eddie's rage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I I I like that a lot. I don't know. I mean, they, they don't really ever explicitly explore that, but I, I very much like fitting that into this story. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like that a lot. Yeah. It sort of changes the way that the suit interacts with the world once it's, once it's paired up with somebody
2: yeah that's so true that's so true and and it also kind of plays into what we realize about the suit in the next episode that it was sort of like eddie really was kind of it's uh sloppy seconds essentially like it was just sort of like always had its eye on there to be like you're my safety you're my safety this doesn't work
0: out <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yup. <laughs> Yeah, so Eddie is there just to sort of angstily pack up his stuff. Like you said, doesn't want the Connors to see him lose or whatever. And he runs into Spider-Man attempting to return the symbiote. And initially he's like happy about this because – As far as he's understood it so far, the reason he lost his job is because the alien life form was stolen. So if it's back, you know, reasonable to assume that maybe he'll get his job back. Mm -hmm. But quickly learns that that is not what Spider-Man is there to do. Spider-Man is returning it to its little containment cell and then turning the temperature all the way down, I guess. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) Clearly he didn't read that 2003 Venom title that I read. (laughs) 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 the cold won't do it (laughs) literally
2: like the it's like the two things that the symbiote's known for sound and fire and you chose the opposite of one of those things okay
0: (laughs) it's probably silent in that containment cell too
2: (laughs) (laughs) i know right like god peter you gotta have always you get such an like an uplifting inspirational moment you got to do one kind of mildly dumb thing at some point of course (laughs) yeah yeah he doesn't know well
0: i mean Symbiote's not like out there trying to share its weaknesses. I mean, it confirmed true. one, but true. Yeah, wh- there's no way. How no would way Peter know?
1: know. <laughs> yeah,
0: but yeah. So he's he's initially happy and then realizes that you know Spider-Man's trying to destroy it and gets pissed. Mm-hmm. So Spider-Man you know turns it all the way down, freezes it, um, presumes that sort of f- solves uh, the problem and kind of just whips off after that. Yeah. Sort of was like, Eddie, I don't really have time for this. So, uh, later dude.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where it's sort of like, it feels a little irresponsible, but I also kind of get it. Cause he went through some real, like <laughs> real shit for just now. And I feel like he just wants it to be done.
0: I don't even think we need to give him that hard of a time. Cause I don't think it's that, I don't think it's that irresponsible. As far as he understands it, the only reason it got out is because hmm. Felicia, or I guess black cat, um, tried to steal it you that's know what i true. mean like there's no reason to believe that that containment cell won't work that's true and and he does
2: see it literally turn into ice <laughs> yeah and when
0: it's not attached to him it's been pretty pitiful and incapable and, and as far as again he's understood it and there's no reason to think that eddie would do anything other than either one except that it's died or two try to revive it for the sake of getting his job back like there's really no danger in what True. Spider-Man was doing as he understood it.
2: Yeah, that's fair.
0: That's sort fair. of our, our God perspective is knowing knowing everything
2: that yeah, happens or could happen. <laughs> he should have said something more to Eddie a little bit. That's,
0: yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give you that. Like The communication was pretty terrible. Say literally anything about... I think all he says is you have no idea how dangerous this is yeah. or something like that. Like, okay, that's not really... <sighs> It's not clear communication.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's the kind of thing that I do chalk up to like, I don't want to talk about this. I just wanted this to be done and leave and go home kind of thing. Like I think that that, makes the most sense because he does beat himself up about about this decision in the next episode so it does not go go uncalled out ultimately so eddie's of course a little upset about this what (laughs) (laughs) um the thing that was uh his last chance what he specifically says you destroyed my last chance um, and then he just goes on a whole, whole rant, rant to himself. He's like, he's supposed mm-hmm. to be a hero, but he's as bad as Pete. Worse, the two of them pretending to be Boy Scouts when all they do is destroy anyone and anything that gets in their way.
0: Damn.
2: Which I think you get his, men- that makes, it, it lines up with his, uh, his moral righteousness and his yeah. his mentality, of course. Right. And, uh, but he's interrupted because the symbiote's like, hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Just tapping out? on
0: that glass with his slime fist
2: again. <laughs> you want to, you want to, you want to Netflix and chill, bud? Mm-hmm.
0: How you doing?
2: <laughs> um, it was pretty cool. Cause, uh, cause, cause Eddie can like feel it calling to him, which if we, if we understand that maybe there was a pre-established connection beforehand, mm-hmm. that makes sense. And I love the little bit where Eddie like puts his hand up to the glass and the symbiote like shapes itself into his hand. Oh,
0: so good. Mm-hmm.
2: And very romantic. Yes. <laughs> so Eddie's like, "Okay, cool." And he opens it up, and the symbiote immediately bonds with him. Like it bonds oh, with yeah. him, it bonds with him, like emotionally, like through the glass, and then bonds with him physically immediately. Mm-hmm. And it immediately goes into like the the headspace for him, which I want to add, cool, it's a cool scene. But there's like at one point. When it zooms out on Eddie's, like, full body, like, his, his boots are just, like, drawn extra small, so he's got, like, teeny, tiny <laughs> little feet for his gigantic body.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's so
2: funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cute. It's really cute. <laughs> it's very cute. <laughs> but, but the symbiote's like, you hate Peter and Spider-Man? I hate Peter and Spider-Man. Oh, hey, guess what? They're the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, it shoots a little like web tendril into its neck, which is creep- into, into ah! Eddie's neck, very creepy. Um, and just and we get a little mini montage of Peter like ripping his costume on and off, and also mm-hmm. pissing Eddie every moment that he's ever pissed Eddie off too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like that one of the moments is just Peter taking his mask off in front of everyone at the costume at the Halloween oh, party too. <laughs> uh.
0: Peter, 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 Peter. Oh, Peter.
2: <laughs> but of course, Eddie's like, I don't have two enemies. I have one. Um, and the symbiote's like, bond with me, bro. Mind, body, and soul. And and also, like how the symbiote voice, while it was Peter, was Josh Keaton's voice. The symbiote voice with Eddie is like Ben Diskin doing like this super creepy, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like this real creepy, like high-pitched monster <laughs> voice. Yeah. It's real cool. But yeah, so they uh, bond and they turn into the monstrosity known as Venom and claiming that they will have vengeance on Spider-Man.
0: Yes.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah.
2: Not an unexpected cliffhanger, but a good one nonetheless.
0: Yeah. And not, you know, not like a terribly cheap or cheesy cliffhanger. Just sort of like, I know there's more to this story, but it's, you know
2: yeah not at all all.
0: hanging from a building or anything
2: yeah and i like the synergy of like the way that the symbiote like the way that we get montages like we get uplifting montages for peter and like a dark montage for (laughs) for eddie (laughs) yep yeah it's very cool
0: the um the venom design does not mimic uh eddie's helmet as much as i was expecting it to
2: yeah it was interesting when you pointed that out because i was just like that would have been a cool thing for them to do but yeah you're right it doesn't really yeah do it's not very it's not as, it's not like circular enough i guess
0: yeah well and his visor on his motorcycle helmet is like shaped like a venom mouth yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. i mean i like the design that they chose a lot mm-hmm. but uh i just was i was really surprised i was like wait a second that's not that's not his helmet <laughs> yeah yeah it's <laughs> yeah. purely a coincidence i guess
2: yeah or it was just like they played around with it and I was just yeah. There, don't
0: make I it think. too close.
2: Yeah, yeah. So one face of the episode for this episode, it's just Peter's shove off Brock face, which I think it's just like a product of like the awkward angle that it's drawn in. Yeah, it's not a good face. <laughs> Peter's <laughs> eyes, like his right eye, is like a lot higher and like more angled than his other eye. Mm-hmm, and I know mm-hmm. what they're trying to go for. It's like that that kind of awkward, like not a full profile, like kind of half profile face that. I, I mean, it can't be super easy to draw with these particular designs, but I know they've done it and they can do it The perspective's than
0: this. off, though. We sh- pres- we shouldn't see the entire shape of his eye. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> part true. of it should be sh- should be covered up by the bridge of his nose. It's so like if you were to like turn his face to be dead on, one the the eye that you're talking about would be like way up in the corner of his forehead.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like his brow is extended like way too far. <laughs>
0: it's funny though yeah it's very funny <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, i'd sick. be scared if uh if that face threw me up against a wall <laughs>
2: yep yep <laughs> oh boy
0: oh what a good one
2: i know god i love this episode so much
0: very very good And you
2: know what's funny i remember i it was my favorite when i watched it i was just like okay i love this this is my favorite one but i remember reading like not it wasn't i mean this doesn't have like a generally negative reception i think it's like in the top three like rated in the imdb like ratings or whatever but i remember sure. reading a couple of like kind of doubter reviews on this episode like not saying that it was bad but but feeling that it was kind of weak i'm not really
0: surprised though before you before you mm-hmm. like talk specifically about why i'm speculating that it's because it's structured unconventionally yes. it's not really that full of action and i imagine that there probably are plenty of people out there who like don't care about the sort of like emotional stuff that this this episode does not that they don't like it but that they just like don't care
2: <laughs> yeah no i think exactly what it is because if you're, if you're looking for just like a cool spider-man black spider-man story yeah Especially if you're expecting one similar to the '90s show, which was good, like in its own way, you're obviously not getting this. Yeah, so I think people. Is that probably what did. they were
0: talking about? Those sorts of things.
2: The origin stuff, for sure. And I think people feel like there was more of the origin in the episode than there actually was. Like, I think that people have come taking away, like, oh, this is the episode where we see the origin, and it's just like, well, that's this like, is not
0: an origin story episode. Yeah, like, I was worried it was going to be. It's very much not. I shared. I shared the concern, everybody. Yeah,
2: and it's like <laughs> maybe three minutes of it is, but like it's not. It doesn't take up that much. So it's and it's you for a very specific purpose mm-hmm. the other thing that it bugs me but I, I i can sort of understand the perspective but i also like completely 100 disagree with it is <laughs> the feeling that the the crux of peter's fight with the symbiote essentially is pretty much just like the power of friendship type of trope where it's sort of like the vague notion of like i have friends and that means that it's okay which is a trope that you do see a lot in like children's media where it's sort of like the true strength is my friends vaguely and that means that we can save the day somehow with my friends, like in the same sense of like love conquers all, like the power of love. And I saw a couple of those types of criticisms. And I can understand I can understand those things in other contexts because I do think sometimes children some children's properties yeah. might use that as a crutch.
0: I get that criticism generally speaking. Yeah,
2: but like like any trope, like just because it's a trope and is used a lot doesn't mean that it's like inherently bad. And I think that what's really genius about this episode and what's made me love it the more that I've thought about it is that it essentially constructs a situation where, like, that is, like, the only logical solution and that actually, like, heavily plays into all of the themes that the show has set up, like, from the beginning. Yeah, they've
0: been building up to it this whole time.
2: Yeah, it's not just, like, a a deus ex machina thing. It's not just, like, out of nowhere, like, Peter's strengthened by the power of friendship. It's just, like, Peter has to learn that people care about him and it is important to recognize that and that using the strength of the people around him that care about him like, to, like, help him get through this struggle. Like, that's yeah. ultimately the point. That, and I don't
0: feel like this episode misleads us into thinking that the power of friendship has given him new strength or new right. power. Right. It's basically lifted him back up to a place that he needs to be, which is, like, a normal baseline place. Right. The the hold that, that the symbiote has over him has nothing to do with, well, very rarely, I should say, has to do with it physically restraining him. Mm-hmm. So, that wasn't really what he was overcoming was like a physical barrier. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I get, I get that. I get being on high alert for that trope. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't think it really applies here.
2: I agree. And it was just, it's just one of those things where it's like, like I said, I don't think that that's the general consensus, but I think that those are there. I saw them in a couple, a few different places like back then. And it always kind of stuck with me because it, yeah. it, it made me kind of question. I was just like, well, did I just like this episode because it's weird and not, it's not actually good. And then, I reevaluated and it's like, no, it's actually really good. <laughs> but anyway, that's my take that to the reviewer from 2008. That was yeah. like Spectacular Spider Man. <laughs>
0: yeah. Fuck you, reviewer from 2008.
2: <laughs> I hope you changed your mind.
0: Yeah. Hope your ears are itching.
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Do you have these on Blu ray or DVD? Both. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: Um, I have the, well, I have the first season on on DVD because that was when, I got that when it first came out, and then I got the complete series set on Blu-ray. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right, and now the season finale of Spectacular Spider-Man. We've got Spectacular Spider-Man season one, episode thirteen: Nature versus Nurture. The synopsis per Amazon is Venom, the merged entity consisting of Eddie Brock and the symbiote attacks Spectacular Spider-Man through the people he loves most.
0: This one originally aired on June 14th, uh, 2008, and was written by Kevin Hops and directed by Victor Cook.
2: Mm-hmm. There aren't really like major characters introduced in this one, but there is one worth spotlighting because he sort of like randomly becomes like a, a, a recurring role here in these episodes. Aunt May's doctor, Dr. Bromwell. <laughs> who was just like, sudden love interest for Aunt May. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I dig hey, that, Doc. actually. <laughs> Doc Bromwell is portrayed by Dorian Harewood. Really main notable thing is that he played Tombstone in Spider-Man, the animated series.
0: Yeah. So that's how we, uh, I guess, will know him. I don't know that we we have not yet known him.
2: <laughs> yeah, not yet. But it is cool that in these, in these two episodes, we've gotten like, Three alums from from the yeah. nineties show. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's awesome.
2: All in like unexpected roles too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But yeah, so um, but other than that, yeah, so this is this is the season finale, so this'll be exciting to go through and I think this is a exquisitely animated and well done episode too
0: yes i agree Mm -hmm. so this one opens with our friendly neighborhood red and blue clad spider-man stopping a rooftop heist of some kind we don't really need details um because he does it without angrily smashing any faces um or raging out or anything like that we've got our old spidey back and uh he does it without causing too much destruction (laughs) (laughs) question mark uh, they have like a getaway helicopter, and he prevents it from crashing, but yeah, I mean, there's still a helicopter suspended above the street yeah. <laughs> between two skyscrapers so yeah uh he does he does what he can, but yeah, ultimately, I'm glad to have this one back. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. welcome back, Spidey, yeah,
2: and it seems like he is he's happy to be back too,
0: yeah, yeah,
2: back in the old red and blue, so um sure. Um, I-
0: Those guns that they have that are shooting like mace heads are terrifying. First off, the sound effect is really cool, but what the hell? Who has that?
2: Right. Right. I know. It's crazy.
0: (laughs) My gosh. Anyway, just I needed to point out the gun that shot spiky balls (laughs) fast enough to embed themselves in the side of a building. Nightmares.
2: Nightmares.
0: (sighs) Oof. Yeah. <clears throat> um,
2: so despite the spiky ball, uh, the guns, um, Spidey is able to defeat them and delivers the crooks masks to Tombstone, which of course confirms that their deal that they made in the last episode is now off, um, which Tombstone's just like, whatever.
0: Yeah. Also just to like proves Tombstone's a smart guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Tombstone was right.
2: <laughs> yeah. I almost feel bad for him for getting jerked around by Spider-Man so much in this situation. Yeah, just right. like, dude, just leave me, just let me do my crime. Yeah. Come do on. Do it or don't. get out of here come on (laughs) either way uh, shortly after venom shows up and he's like "Ooh, it appears you have a job opening we'll take it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: this is where we get the credits and i want you to know that i paid very very close attention because i was expecting (laughs) there could have been a change but there was not
2: nope not yet stay tuned for next season
0: yeah (laughs) the change i probably was expecting this time i'm assuming will happen next season
2: yeah you're learning you are learning i'm getting there yeah now after um oh i uh so okay so i like i like this uh this whole bit so tombstone is like like okay you're you're a creepazoid but uh yeah i guess you can (laughs) have my job to have the job that you want that's fine But I I, I like his line where he's just like, I I really should start locking those windows.
0: Yeah, for real. (laughs) (laughs) Now that there are multiple, like, spider creatures that are able to just crawl through my windows all the way up at the top of this skyscraper.
2: (laughs) Dude, I love Snarky snarky Tombstone. It's great. Mm -hmm. He's just like, I love how just, like, ambivalent he is towards everything. It's just like, oh my god, just yeah do your, right? do your thing whatever i'll pay you yeah. if you do what i want you to i don't care leave <laughs> he's so
0: straightforward and bothered by the like drama of it all
2: i know it's, it's like <laughs> imagine like venom which is like this hulking like monstrous giant tongued like mass of like horror is yeah. on the wall in your corner crawling yeah, he never the touches the floor no never and Tombstone's just like, okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> yeah,
0: you really didn't need to to do it this way, but sure. <laughs> right,
2: right. But he's just like destroy spider-man and yeah i'll pay you money or whatever venom's like ooh, yeah this is what i want to do
0: (laughs) what if tombstone was like just a little bit more particular and was like yeah you can have the job but you really need to get a suit like (laughs) and now we have venom in like a like a suit and tie uh
2: i didn't know i needed that but yeah
0: tombstones a professional his <laughs> yeah. guards are very well dressed
2: <laughs> please email that fan heart um, <laughs> while we after podcast at gmail.com yes um or tag us on social media please do that <laughs> um venom in a suit <laughs> anyway venom's like is it okay if we have a little fun with spider-man first and tombstone's like i don't micromanage just
0: yeah it doesn't even turn around doesn't care
2: <laughs> yeah he's just playing pool he's like do it leave i'm can you, can I have my knight back, please? <laughs> right. I asked for one
0: thing. Just kill him. All right? Just kill him.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like this tombstone a lot. I don't I think should. I realized how much I did, but I do.
2: <laughs> I think he's like, he's like heightened in these episodes because he doesn't really have much of a role other than yeah. to just be the receptacle of these like ridiculous like antics happening. And it's just like, oh, God.
0: Okay. Yeah. He's like, um, he's like getting, <laughs> he's like somebody who has no investment in their petty fight but keeps getting dragged back into it it's like just figure out your shit
2: okay yeah he's (laughs) like he's like despite being like the super strong like uh white blue skinned like walking corpse he's still the straight man in this situation (laughs) yep Uh, says a lot. (laughs) It's great. Yeah.
0: So at the hospital, um, after Peter reflects on being absent in Aunt May's need, he also ponders kind of like what should take priority because he's still Spider-Man. He's still faced with all the same sort of responsibilities. And he sort of tosses back and forth like so what is what should be more important Then, like i do good things as spider-man but i've also been neglecting the people in my lives and uh it's good to know that he's he's thinking about those things <laughs> yeah good job
2: yeah it's like the first time he's really fully thought about those yeah. things in the entire show
0: <laughs> yeah took a whole lot to get him there but here we are <laughs> yep uh, but it is a good thing to think about, and actually sets up, I assume, a lot of what we'll see going forward. At least I hope it does. Mm-hmm. Later at school, Peter actually stops Flash in the hallway and thanks him for the reality check, um, which is very cool. I'm glad that he does that. Yeah, I love it. He also apologizes to his friends and Sally and Kenny um, <laughs> for being because <laughs> they're there and not his friends um, for being a jerk, <laughs> which is also a good thing for him to do. Yeah. It's also funny that they're all together, uh, because yeah. I think it's, like, Gwen, MJ, the cool kids, <laughs>
2: like, it's, everybody
0: just happens to be standing in the hallway. I, they,
2: like, all run up to him. I want to feel like Gwen and MJ ran from, like, yeah. up the perpendicular hallway and just met up with them, maybe, because it would make no sense otherwise.
0: That is that, that is very fair. Also, like, I hope Peter recognizes how eager these people are to check on him.
2: Oh, my God, I know. Um,
0: and, like, feels that love.
2: <laughs> yeah, he should. I think he does. I think. Yeah. He does and it, yeah yeah this whole scene is, is hilarious there's so many adorable like ridiculous like kind of annoying too little details <laughs> as, <Yeah. laughs> because it's like as as liz and gwen like um are just legit just like competing for peter's attention mm-hmm. liz first like invites peter to help at the uh, thanksgiving parade but but gwen kind of like uh intercepts when Peter's like, I got to pick Aunt May up from the hospital. And she's like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll join you. Uh, you know, if you want to. And it's really cute, but like, yeah. it's interspersed with these little details. Cause it's like every second that Gwen, like, mildly touches Peter or, like, says anything, Liz, like, gets a scowl (laughs) on her face. And then whenever Liz is talking to Peter, like, Sally rolls her eyes in the background. It's so subtly (laughs) done. And it's just, like, I I just, I love it because it's just, you know, they're playing on these these typical tropes that we've kind of criticized a little bit where it's just, like, everybody loves Peter Parker. But I feel like they're really playing it up because everyone has their own specific motivation for why they're acting the way that they are in the scene.
0: And like we've said, this show did a lot more work than a lot of other properties do to at least explain some of those attractions and relationships. Yeah. Like we have, we can, we can map the web with events, not just like, trust us. Everybody loves Peter Parker. Right. Okay.
2: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, And I like, like, I mean, Sally rolling her eyes, I think really did it for me because they didn't have to do that. And they also could have gone (laughs) the opposite direction and had her screaming like normal. And instead, it's sort of like you actually can buy that. She's really good. She's like best friends with Liz. And she also just has to kind of, like, reluctantly go mm-hmm. with Liz's, like, weird attraction to Peter. It's just like, oh, my God, she's doing it again. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, which I appreciate.
0: It's the only time I've related to, to Sally.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate all that. I love Gwen, like, her glasses dropping for a second while she's... Mm-hmm talking to Peter. It's really earnest. They just do all this teenage stuff so well.
0: Yeah. And no, it's, it's, it's good stuff. And it's like you said, it's in the details, which is, which is good. Mm-hmm. It's important stuff. Those details.
2: Yes, they are.
0: So the group sort of disperses, but Mary Jane stays behind because she wants to tell Peter that she actually went on a date with Eddie, which at first I was like, Oh, this is a weird thing to do right now. But what she's doing is um, kind of letting Peter know about how weird it was. And, how concerned she is for Peter based on the date. She recognizes, because like we said, her superpower is emotional intelligence, uh, realizes that it was all just an attempt to hurt Peter, that it was never really a genuine date. Um, And she tries to communicate that to to Peter saying, you know, "Be, be careful. I don't really think Eddie is your bro anymore. And Peter sort of having gone through this whole thing about like appreciating your friends and valuing the people around you who've supported you and cared for you, I think struggles to fully get the message right away.
2: Yeah. Which
0: is, which is fair. Yeah. And it actually is like a pretty layered interaction in that sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Cause we know that Eddie took a very hard turn. And mm-hmm. I don't know if Peter is really fully cognizant of that turn. No, he's I seen don't think so. He's seen Eddie go off on him, but I think he's really only seen Eddie at his, at his worst when, when Peter was under the influence of the symbiote. So he wasn't really thinking clearly anyway. So he's probably right. questioning like, how what he was reading into it, and how much was actually like really Eddie?
0: Yeah, well, if he's taking responsibility for all of the the problems in his relationships, why wouldn't he take responsibility for that one too? Exactly, it's reasonable.
2: Exactly, yeah, and it's yeah. So I I totally I totally buy it. I will say it's another instance of Mary Jane like leading with the wrong fact, like the way that she uh, went up to him <laughs> and was like, "Oh, May had a heart attack, but she's fine." In this case, it's like I went on a date with Eddie. But it wasn't really a date. Like, you restructure the order that you tell people these things, Mary Jane. Strong
0: communication, almost too direct. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, you get it all in there, but just reorganize. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny. I didn't even really think about that. Although I guess I did. Cause I was surprised she was saying it.
2: <laughs> was like, hey, by the way, Peter, I wanted a date with Eddie. Like, uh, cool. Okay. My grandma's
0: sweet. <laughs> or not my grandma, my aunt. Oh my God. That was weird.
2: <laughs> so either way, like with that in his head, um, Peter does like reach out to Eddie, which is, I think like the first time he's actually done that the whole show. Mm-hmm. So good on you, Peter. You're learning. Unfortunately, it's too late, but he does call Eddie to apologize Venom-suited Eddie hangs up, sort of halfway unsuits to be Eddie, um, in a really grotesque way. Mm-hmm. That makes a great gif but, but he answers the phone, and he's like, kind of playing up that um, he's he's kind of playing up his friendliness, and being like, "Oh no, it's all cool. We're good. Let's go hang out." Which Peter buys. Uh, he's yeah. just like, and the only reason that he doesn't immediately like ha- go to hang out with him is because he needs to be with Aunt May, of course. Right. Um, so <laughs> Eddie already playing the sinister mind games.
0: Well, that's I mean, that's the other massive danger of of having been a host to the symbiote is that it can fuck with you more and more with each person that it <laughs> it bonds with, uh-huh. uh, especially if they're already connected to you. Mm. So, you know, the Venom symbiote basically knows everything Eddie knows about Peter Parker and all of his perceptions and all that sort of stuff and knows all of the things that Peter did, too. So right. what better way to manipulate a friendship than to uh, be the, the symbiote? slime that dresses them both I, what
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's also legit you like, horror, horror movie music like throughout the stuff it's it's real well done
0: there there are a couple um moments in this episode that are like like horror movie jump scares <laughs> yeah, <yes. laughs> For like no real reason other than humor <laughs> Yep, <laughs> it's great
2: um so at the hospital uh, we see Dr. Bromwell. He shares with Peter and Aunt May that she is A-OK and that yeah. she can actually leave the hospital the next day. We learn that it's uh, Thanksgiving the next day, actually. Oh. And she's just like, oh, yeah, I can finally prepare my turkey dinner. Thank goodness. And mm. Peter's like, no, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll give you a break, um, which leads to, like, Gwen and, and, and Aunt May having a really great, like, look to each other. Like,
0: uh-huh.
2: oh, no. Because <laughs> he even
0: says, like, how hard could it be? Yeah. like, oh, God. All right, dude. Peak oblivion
2: (laughs) (laughs) What a 16 year old thing to say I can prepare Thanksgiving dinner by myself Uh I've never done it before But it's easy Yeah why not (laughs)
0: <laughs> I've seen the oven.
2: Yeah, um, of course we <laughs> we cut to the kitchen where Peter is just failing miserably at everything. I don't know why. I every every single time I have watched this episode, I laugh so freaking hard at "Oh no, my yams!" <laughs> I don't know why, but like Peter Parker yelling "Oh no, my yams!" is just like the funniest thing in the world.
0: <laughs> no, it's good. It's good because it could have been anything, but it's yams. yams. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah no i i like that too (laughs) it's good and you knew it was gonna happen and you're like oh he's gonna absolutely suck at
2: this (laughs) yeah yeah and he references romita's pizza which is a cool little uh cool little oh yeah
0: yeah Yeah. i also really do want to try thanksgiving with all the fixin's pizza Mm,
2: do you though
0: oh i'm in i'm very in
2: i would try it but i'm wary.
0: I mean, don't use tomato sauce. Use like gravy and mashed potatoes and you're golden.
2: Okay. Okay. Gravy and mashed potatoes. Would cranberry sauce also be on it? I guess I guess.
0: I, I would. I would do yeah. a cranberry drizzle.
2: Okay. Yeah. I could do this. I could buy this. Mm-hmm. I could yeah. buy this. Okay. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> I, it. I think it sounds delicious. I think the greatest advantage that Thanksgiving dinner has is that you can smash all of it together and it That's still true. tastes good.
2: That's true. That's true. That's true. Hmm. I might try to make this. Yeah, right. Okay. It'd be perfect
0: in deep dish style, too. So,
2: yeah. Oh, we're not far from Thanksgiving either. Okay, hey. put a pin in that for later.
0: All right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll, we'll find out.
0: Yes. Well, the next day, as Peter is getting ready to web-sling to the hospital, because as he says, I'm always late, um, so he's he's going to web-sling to the hospital to get there on time, in order to retrieve Aunt May, um, he actually finds the gene cleanser that he'd previously hidden under his desk, kind of like falls out from under the the drawer, and once again sort of like ponders what that could do for him both positively and negatively um, considering sort of like that strain that being spider-man puts on just like everyday responsibilities and relationships but before he can really even like finish that thought process or finish packing a black web flies through the window, grabs <laughs> him and pulls him outside.
2: <laughs> yep. yep. Yoink. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he pulls outside. He, he luckily was dressed already like mostly dressed as Spider-Man. He just has to put his mask on. Um, yeah, but Venom is of course like, you don't need to do that. I know who we know who you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he emerges having been hiding in a tree because he's a little cutie patootie.
0: I, love the shot where it's just like looking up the like up at the tree Uh, and you don't see anything other than venom's smiling face like i'm hiding in the tree
2: He is cute as shit in this episode this whole sequence actually there's so many little like animation things and movements they add to him that are so he's like he he does little head shakes and stuff Mm -hmm. he's so cute he's so cute
0: like adorable little venom
2: Yeah, this isn't like hot daddy Venom. This is just like adorable, like almost like chibi Venom. He's still terrifying (laughs) in a lot of ways, but he's so cute.
0: Well, I think the the sort of style and structure of their animation lends itself to those types of characters, right? Like, you know, I don't, I mean, I guess Doc Ock is meant to be sort of like timid and cute and whatnot prior to being Doc Ock. But I do think just making a bulky character, they don't over detail thing so they kind of run the risk of making sort of cute bulky characters like even a hammerhead or a or a um uh tombstone like they're not meant to be cute but they're like almost silly sometimes yeah. when they're not being explicitly menacing
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it's really fun
0: but i'm here for it
2: i am too venom's voice in this case they don't just like give like a filter and augment or like augment it it's literally just ben diskin recording his lines twice in like Eddie voice and like creepy monster symbiote voice and then layering it together, which is
0: trippy.
2: It had to be the most annoying thing ever to do that. And I think it kind of results in his lie readings being really interesting because he taught he's, he's always talking a little bit slower, probably to make it easier to layer those two together. But I think Uh. it works because it makes him just like a lot creepier and more like um, direct about everything that he's doing. It's, yeah. it's it's an interesting choice.
0: This is like this is a thing that I'll very infrequently say, but I I hate it, but it works so well. <laughs> yeah. Like I appreciate what they've done because I I I hate it so much. <laughs> like I yeah. I don't like listening to it cuz I'm like this is hurting my brain in a way that I know is kind of like intentionally meant to be unsettling.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, and I do think that it it's It's especially unsettling at the start of it. I think that the the sort of um misalignment of the first few lines he delivers is far greater than the lines he' delivers later, yeah, so they do sort of like bring the two voices together a little bit more as the episode goes on. so it gets it gets a little more bearable, but of course much less unsettling, so I can sure. see why they sort of play with the the dimension of it,
2: yeah, exactly, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, like we said, uh, Venom, let him he knows Spider-Man's real identity and all of his secrets, um, because we were you, as he says. Yeah. Which, you know, clues Spidey in, like, black suit, knows all our secrets, you're the symbiote again, oh no, this is bad. <laughs> and also recognize, like, he must have found a new host, which also is bad. Yup. I like the way
0: he says it, though. I I, I-, I wish I had written oh, down man. the exact words, but... When he says it, he says it in a way that's like concerned for whoever's in there. Like yeah, he's he like
2: you inherit you you ensnared a new host or something. Yes. Like yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's not like he's saying like you found somebody else or whatever. Like the way yeah, it's it's very much like a um he's like horrified that someone else is gonna have to go through it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Which actually and that tracks because his whole every every way that he interacts with venom up until like towards the very end is very much just like i'm trying to get through to you like don't yep. let it do this and it's and, and, and until he realizes like nobody's letting the symbiote do anything like this is the the what, what? Uh, yep uh-oh <laughs>
0: <laughs> um this is also you know the interaction where we get the actual name venom because they do sort of explain how each each uh villain is named. This is a villain that names himself.
2: Oh, so rare for this Whoa. show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's actually it's it's what we've heard before. Um so I, I I guess why why break something that makes so much sense? Um but he says, you know, we're poisoned to Peter Parker and a Spider Man. We're venom. So mm-hmm. why have somebody else name him when that's so perfectly packaged?
2: Yeah, it would be kind of awkward like Like, wow, you seem like you're kind of poisonous to (laughs) Spider-Man. Venomous almost.
0: (laughs) Oh, now I want to see it, though, just because it would be ridiculous. (laughs) Norman Osborn just walks by.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. His secret
0: talent is naming villains.
2: You'd have to say it, like, disparagingly, though. It's just sort of like... (laughs) <laughs> maybe uh, he
0: steps on the on the symbiote a little bit and is disgusted <laughs>
2: yeah yeah in any case uh we got our first little brawl between them spidey attempts to uh to web up venom but um uh well f- f- before even that venom is just repeatedly punches spider-man in the face a bunch of times <laughs> and it is brutal <laughs>
1: yep.
2: but uh but he does that he crashes around a bunch of times um, eventually Venom webs him up to a bunch of trash cans, um, and Spidey isn't able to get out. And then he, and then he gets all up in his face, He's crawling all around him, getting up in his face, telling him that it's too early to destroy Spider-Man. He'd rather dismantle him. And he gives a little head shake when he does this, when he says peace by peace, which is the most adorable thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what he means by that is targeting everyone that Peter Parker cares about.
0: Right. Right, which is a terrifying thing to hear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, no, please just kill me, thanks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, later we find that Spider-Man has managed to escape Venom's webbing, probably because he was only attached to a bunch of trash cans, <laughs> not to like the fence itself. And as he's uh, rushing through the city to check on Aunt May, because the first person he's going to think of, obviously, is like, I got to protect Aunt May. Um, if he's talking about people I care about, mm-hmm. as he's swinging through the city, he runs into a large black spider web, between two skyscrapers that spells out "Guess Who"? <laughs> How
2: did he Which know is, that, that Spidey would be swinging in that I specific? Don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's not he's... even my biggest issue with this because I, I like, I like the web, I like the Guess Who thing, but Guess Who <laughs> is a command, thing. not a question. <laughs> there does not need to be a question mark, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why I'm so bothered by that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh wasn't that the name of the game the, wasn't that the game that, guess who didn't that have a question mark on it too the board probably
0: game? i i think it's a very very this this could be an archaic rule that i'm just adhering to yeah uh, it's very commonplace to put a question mark at the end of a command to guess something yeah. Like when you say, guess what? People usually put a question mark at the end of it, but you're not actually asking them anything. Well,
2: because I, th- but I think, I think it's just the, sh- I think what the implication is, is you're, you're, it's essentially shortening, ask, asking, can you guess who question mark? Yeah. I think is what the question is, but, but I mean you're right. The Like the literal <laughs> words are a command, Yeah. but I think the reason that, it, that it can feasibly function as a, as a, as a question in our fluid language that is English, is that it's essentially it is technically asking, can you guess who? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm holding on to this rule
0: forever until I die. <laughs> All
2: right. It's like that and like the Oxford comma. <laughs> oh, very pro Oxford comma. Me too.
0: <laughs> you heard it here. This podcast, pro Oxford comma.
2: Cool, cool. Oh no, everyone's going to unsubscribe now.
0: Well, they're wrong.
2: <laughs> anyway, at the hospital, this is where we got our first, like, jump scare. <laughs> yep. It, we're expecting, expecting Venom to jump out at, uh, at Aunt May and instead it's actually Dr. Bromwell, who is even like, oh, I shouldn't scare my my favorite heart patient. <laughs> like, don't rip open a curtain in the hospital, dude. What uh-huh. are you doing?
0: Yup. yep. yep.
2: <laughs> Either way, he uh, he notices a bouquet of flowers that Aunt May has. I first, ask her like if it's a boyfriend, and uh May has a really cute little blush that she gives.
1: Mm-hmm. She's like, "No,
2: of course not." Um, and she's pretty sure that it's Peter, but then she's like, "It's weird that it's signed. Guess who?" Yeah. Um, and to which we uh we then see Venom peeking through the window. Oh,
0: being a creep. Uh-huh. Being a creep. Yeah, he's peeking through the window. Um, but before he can actually get into the hospital, which is his intention, he like reaches for the for the. I don't know how he would have been able to open the window from the outside. Anyway, (laughs) tendrils, Venom tendrils. Yeah. But before he can actually get into the hospital, Spider-Man swings by, drop kicks him away from the window, (laughs) and they exchange very many more serious blows (laughs) before Venom goes back to the window and makes a second attempt. Spidey stops him again. They exchange more blows. (laughs) These are like serious too. These are like them slamming each other into buildings and like the concrete (laughs) breaking.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, this whole episode is it, they really step up their game animation-wise, and I think it really shows in these fights because you really I think you really feel a lot of the blows that they're laying yeah. on each other throughout it. Um and, and the way that they get tossed around, like everything is extremely fluid and extremely detailed throughout. Very it. high impact. Yup. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's good.
0: Um but yeah, he he um, you know, he he basically tells Venom like there's no way I'm ever letting you near Aunt May. Which Venom's like, all right, fine. She's not our only target. He says specifically, after all, we know who you love the most, bro. (laughs) Which tips off Spidey as Uh to the identity of Venom's new host. Uh Which really caught me off guard. I was not expecting for Peter to find that out so soon (laughs) yeah
2: it is funny that they like the thing that was so annoying about the show early on Uh Like, hey bro hey bro hey bro it's like it's actually a pretty integral part of the plot of this one (laughs) and and character moments in this one too actually
0: yeah yeah actually yeah but yeah so he he guesses it's eddie and venom replies you guessed and then whips off
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh boy
0: Oh, also, because I asked this when um we still had black suit spidey, mm-hmm. um Venom's webs are in fact coming from the top of his hands. Yeah, very um,
2: explicitly. Yes, yes. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Um I think it works I think it works for him for sure. Mm-hmm. What it's like you...
0: every web that he shoots is a punch.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That yeah, it, it works for him for sure. Uh-huh. Um do what do you do you think that like Cause this this is a diff this is such a different Eddie Brock from like most Eddie Brock's that we're aware of. So he has mm-hmm. an emotion. he also has an emotional connection to all the people that Peter are connected with that he's gonna attack. Do you, what do you think like he would have done if he got into that hospital room? Like, I wanna s I wanna feel like he was just trying to scare them just to fuck with Peter, but he never intended to Or for Aunt May, at least he never intended to actually hurt her. But then that's kind of like Hmm. that's kind of um, discounted a bit, or, or or kind of disproved a little bit by what happens with Gwen later. But then you can also argue like maybe he would have found a way to rescue her or something. I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to say like where his head is at with these people because it's it's such a weird place the way that they've set him up.
0: I think that Eddie Brock, as I understand him now is much different and more complicated than I understood him in those first handful of episodes where I was like, he's like a shining beacon of hope and light, and he's just so perfect. I think now that like he was those things, but a lot of those things were a result of a lot of really hard work and constant work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was a lot of conscious stuff. And I, I think the the things that have happened to him since and the things that have sort of broken him are blinding him to a lot of genuine connections and stuff, um, but in a way that I think anger can do True. to a person. I think anger can be a really, really um, dangerous emotion because it does help you forget those those connections Mm -hmm. and it does sort of blind you to to rational thought and so i think that's where he's at i think that this eddie brock would still be horrified to find out the things that he may have ended up doing to those people Mm -hmm. i think it's reasonable to believe that if he ended up you know killing aunt may or killing gwen or any of the targets that he he would you know eventually make his way down the list to to get it peter through um I think each one of those things would have a devastating effect on him whether he was capable of coping with it or not hmm. and should he ever be separated from the venom symbiote would be absolutely like broken by it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's I think that makes a lot of sense and
0: I I think he's he's he he for me to reconcile a lot of the things he does I just have to believe that Eddie Brock is somebody who is in constant care of his own mental and emotional health mm-hmm. and when he doesn't take care of himself that's that it you know it throws things way out of balance for him
2: that makes sense like the symbiote's basically preventing him from having the ability to like check himself ever so and so he's pretty much like permanently caught in that state of like passionate rage where like when you're what you are like when any any person is feeling like their most, like, heightened, like, anger and frustration and just, like, totally seeing red, like, you yeah. will do terrible things. um And he's, like, b- I feel like the symbiote's, like, kind of permanently trapping him in that state. And, and we already saw shades of that with his date in Mary Jane where he can yeah. be so consumed by his rage where it's, like, he's, in that case, he wasn't out to hurt her necessarily, but, like, he is stripped of, like, any ability to care. The symbiote, like, takes that and just, like, multiplies it and also adds on these just, like, immense feelings of just, like, hatred and just, like
0: yeah <laughs> and
2: and also and also mere moral support superiority as we see later on, right. That just makes him like incapable of like actually really seeing what he's doing beyond like just that blanket rage
0: right right. yeah i th- I think Eddie Brock is in this in this series specifically just an absolutely absolutely fascinating complicated complex character and we don't see a lot of it but i think it i think it's one of those things where it has to be true for what we're seeing to make sense
2: he's definitely a little more of a victim to the symbiote in this than than he is in any other iteration i feel like too
0: yeah and i think that's i think that that still works with him making choices like i think he's still making choices and he is definitely a victim yeah um for sure
2: right right makes a lot of sense
0: yeah yeah I, i i um I I think I have to come full circle and 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 love Eddie Brock again despite all of his rage. <laughs> this he's, Eddie Brock, I must clarify,
2: <laughs> he's just a broken character. He's just a broken person. Yeah. Who who just ended up in really terrible terrible circumstances that he wasn't able. To, he just didn't. He just happened to not really be strong enough to pull himself out of in this case. Yeah.
0: Which man. It's Tragic. Uh, I just want to make you some soup and coffee <laughs> and whatever you need, Eddie. <laughs>
2: Oh, by the way, they're really—you remember? Do you, we mentioned in the last one who like? Oh, they really pay attention to tongues in this show. Mm-hmm. They definitely are getting their money's worth out of his tongue mm-hmm. in this episode.
0: <laughs> I expected nothing less, given the tongue attention they give just every random <laughs> character who yells.
2: <laughs> yup.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well, wow. all right. So Spidey, of course, is attempting to kind of figure out um, who Eddie, Eddie specifically would think mm-hmm. that Peter loves most. And of course, we we just got his the little realization that he went on a date with Mary Jane to get to him. So it actually makes a lot of sense that he would assume that it's Mary Jane. So he goes to the Thanksgiving Day Parade to find Mary Jane, um, instead finding her spending time with Flash Thompson, uh, which he's like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> which I
0: love because it's such a, it's such a like... Um... Like, not that serious teenager, ew. You know what I mean? it's just sort <laughs> yeah. of like, ew.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He even is like, I, I like his little bit where it's just like, well, at least Flash isn't evil. Well, at least he's not possessed by an evil symbiote, <laughs> as far as I know.
0: <laughs> as far as you know. Or, I don't know, yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, which is funny. Had Flash hmm. become Venom in the comics at that point? Had that happened? Or was oh, that like. Oh, I a, don't know. Because that would be a really crazy, like, foreshadowing coincidence thing. Oh. I don't know. Because I don't remember when that happened.
0: That's a really good question.
2: Yeah. because I, I feel like I want to say that was after 2008, but I could totally be wrong. Oh.
0: Wouldn't
2: that be weird? I want to right so look it up right now. That would be so weird. I want to look it up right now, because that's gonna blow my mind if the, if that was before if that was uh before yeah. um, two thousand eight. Um it says first appearance as Agent Venom, April two thousand and eleven. Oh What? Oh
0: What? Wow They
2: sort of Kind so you didn't predicted.
0: know it, and neither did we. That's
2: crazy. <laughs> Dang. Wow. Okay. Cool. That's funny. <laughs> I,
0: I could have completely canceled out Flash as a potential host even before my sort of, like, recalibration.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so funny. Huh. Huh.
0: Wow. Okay.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, uh, Spidey decides he'll just kind of post up nearby to watch Mary Jane. Um, Assuming that his Spidey sense would uh, give him a warning, a venom would show up. (laughs) We know what's going to happen.
0: Yep, we know better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mary Jane begins to leave Flash. Well, I guess she's not really leaving Flash. He's like flirting with her and tries to put his arm around her. She gets up. And I think I think she meant for them both to go over. Yeah. But ultimately she she wants to go over and wish Gwen luck because Gwen's in one of the uh marching bands in the parade. Of course
2: she's a band geek. <laughs> of course,
0: right? Right? But she stops actually. She only gets like a step or two uh before she stops and sees that Eddie Brock is talking with Gwen. So she's like, mm, "No, I'm not going to go over there because Eddie Brock is over there." Yeah. Which I don't I don't really know what my reaction to that is. Like it makes it makes sense. Um it's just interesting because it's it's the first sort of new layer of Mary Jane we've we've seen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's it is interesting. <laughs> yeah, you're right cuz she's always been super um super chill about everything. This is yeah. the first time she's really clearly sh- like even being around like a bunch of assholes. Yeah. She's still always just been like i can still have fun with you this one is just like no she visually does not like him which yeah, you... kind
0: of like proves the gravity of the situation like if, if if mj is concerned about you like we as an audience should recognize like she's yeah. gotten along with everybody this must be a big deal
2: yeah i mean and if you consider what he actually did to her like it's pretty oh fucked my up. god
0: so fucked up yeah <laughs> she's actually like pretty calm despite <laughs> <laughs> yeah like my yeah. god
2: yeah definitely
0: Spider-Man overhears the conversation because he was posted up nearby. So he hears that MJ says Eddie Brock is over by Gwen and sort of is like, oh, shoot, like, I got to get over there. He looks to where they are and Eddie actually kind of like turns back and gives Spider-Man like a very menacing smirk. Like, I know you're over there. You know I'm over here and you got it wrong. (laughs) Like, like, uh, check. (laughs) So naturally Spider-Man goes over there and starts like searching through the marching band but can't find Gwen instead finding her saxophone discarded on the street. Uh-oh.
2: uh-oh. Oh no, not uh-oh, the saxophone. No.
0: Those are expensive.
2: <laughs> yeah, actually. That's so true. <laughs> um so he moves to a rooftop for a a better look and <laughs> unfortunately he finds Gwen suspending from a monkey balloon with black webbing. Oh, I wonder what's going on there. Uh, so she's uh, hanging for dear <laughs> life. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: this is like ah! when I saw this I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, and I was like on like high alert for the the rest of the episode. Yeah,
2: yeah, like did you I mean, because we all know.
0: We all <laughs> know.
2: I definitely thought the same thing watching it too, for sure. Uh,
0: which is weird because this is a Spider-Man cartoon, not a Spider-Man movie or comic, and I was like oh God, oh God, this is a season finale. Oh God, what are we in for?
2: <laughs> it's just, but that's how freaking trained they have us on Gwen Stacy, and which is, yep. so, I'm so glad that they've kind of like been able to do like the ghost spider, yes. spider Gwen stuff with her because yes. it's just like for so long, it's just sort of like, you couldn't have a Gwen Stacy without it being like, hmm, but how are we going to kill her? Like, yep. that's yep. that's what defines her.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, it's it's very nice that moving forward, like kids that grow up with Gwen Stacy now won't be programmed for terror <laughs> like we are. <laughs> oh
2: God, yeah, I know. It was like...
0: Did you just say the words Gwen Stacy? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. How did she die? How far <laughs> did she fall? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, the the thought is still there because this was still 2008. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so she's she's hanging from this uh this balloon. And of course, you know, he's not gonna be able to get to her before Venom attacks him. So attacks him without warning, which uh, makes Spidey realize that um he doesn't, his spider sense won't recognize the symbiote as a threat because they had such a such a close bond together
0: yeah i like that they include that as a line um and it's not just sort of this thing where it's like i'm scary and you can't you can't see me coming <laughs>
2: yeah exactly
0: i i don't know i just appreciate that i guess yeah
2: i do too it's a nice i mean it's like it's not anything we didn't know but it's a nice that they established yeah. that in in the universe for sure
0: yeah Um, So like you had kind of mentioned earlier in this confrontation, Spider-Man attempts specifically to appeal to Eddie. Um, He's not trying to just like beat the crap out of Venom. He recognizes that there's a person in there and he, he knows better than literally anyone else on the planet, what that person is going through. Um, So that's kind of where he focuses. So he says, don't let the symbiote control you. And Venom responds that there is no control that they share their intentions and their desires. And that desire is to destroy Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Their confrontation continues, but Spider-Man's not ready to give up on the person inside. So he continues to appeal to Eddie and Eddie reveals in a moment of vulnerability for sure. um, Actually more of a moment of anger, I guess (laughs) that Peter doesn't actually get it. Peter had people, Um, in his life and has people around him and has support and friends. But Eddie has, has always felt alone. And that sparks from the fact that when his parents died in a crash, he had nobody to take care of him. Um, But Peter had aunt may and uncle Ben. Yeah. Which we understand what the symbiote is doing. Um, So we understand that from like an external place, that that's not necessarily true. And that Eddie had to have been taken care of by somebody. And he did have, family or friends or somebody around him. But obviously it was something that was true enough that it didn't take very long for that <laughs> that vulnerability to be taken advantage of. Yeah. Um, there's really no slow burn with Eddie. All of his vulnerabilities I think are much more apparent and the cracks seem to be a lot wider for uh Venom to Sort of take advantage of.
2: Yeah, well, and it and it makes sense. I think I think it really does kind of give some color to what we already understood of him. Like, I Mm -hmm. think that there was like the notion of like this resentment and like lack of self worth that he had for a long time. But it makes a lot of sense where it's sort of like if he really was kind of operating under the assumption that he was all alone and the universe kind of just like fucked him over and gave him nothing. it's sort of like your your options are to either like be mad at the universe which i think he kind of is or Mm -hmm. conversely which he also is is to sort of like assume that like the universe hates you for a reason and so you must be worthless and he kind of like internalized both halves of those things and i think that that's kind of a really i think that's like kind of the key to like where his head is at like internally and what he's probably worked to overcome for his whole life that yeah it's just completely stripped away
0: Yeah, I think Peter had to become convinced of that and Eddie already believed it somewhere inside of him.
2: Yeah, yeah, which is why he just bonded with the symbiote instantly.
0: Eddie, poor
2: Eddie. I know, (laughs) I know. He really is the victim in all of this. It sucks. Yeah.
0: So Spidey does decide uh, finally that talking is not going to solve this problem, um, that Venom is just too relentless and he's not going to be able to outpunch him anytime soon. Um, So he decides to make his way over to the monkey balloon where Gwen is suspended. Down below on the ground, Flash comments to MJ (laughs) that the girl attached to the monkey makes it look like King Kong, (laughs) um, which is where, you know, MJ points out that it is in fact a monkey (laughs) and that King Kong was an ape. Flash. Also, Flash clarifies that he's talking about King Kong, not Kenny Kong. <laughs> that was really funny.
2: I like that a lot.
0: So uh, they uh, they slide a few jokes in there before the actual moment of horror, which is that Mary Jane realizes the girl suspended from the balloon is actually Gwen Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know why this, this type of stuff freaks me out so much. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm starting to realize that, like, what the pattern of the theme is. Okay. But, like, the sort of, like, I think my sort of, my sort of visceral reaction is to situations where one person is made sort of a horrible victim in front of a crowd. Huh. Because, like, there are other pieces of media that do that. Like, it happens a few times in Harry Potter, and I, I, as a, like, kid and a teenager, that always freaked me out so much.
2: Ooh, yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, I don't think I really realized it, but that's sort of like, I think that's always been the case. So like when I was watching this, I was like, for whatever reason, the moment that Mary Jane realizes like, no, that's actually Gwen Stacy. I was like, oh, that is such a moment of absolute sheer terror.
2: Huh. Cause it's like a, I, guess I don't it's know like why a...
0: that appeals to whatever part of my brain is is just like experiences terror, but it always does. She's wow. just suspended there in front of like an entire parade crowd. And we yeah. know what's supposed to happen. Uh, it's like a
2: public humiliation thing, I guess, but like a weird, like offshoot of that where it's not exactly that it's, but it's still like a so lot much of worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like well, a lot it, of these like weird feelings that are sort of like similarly associated with it, but something a little bit different.
0: It's kind of similar to the um, Liz Allen on the rail or on the uh, on the roller coaster.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, she's in like a highly public place. There's a crowd. You know. Yeah. Um, th- I guess maybe it is that helplessness that you were talking about with Liz Allen and the roller coaster. The fact that like you're wi- you're witness to something that you have absolutely no control yeah. over, and you know it's going to be horrible before it happens.
2: Oh no, you. are That's true. That's true. I was thinking more like like being like the person who's hanging there. It's it's no. the terror. but no, yeah, you're right. The terror no. from watching that being happen.
0: Being the spectator or the witness. I mean, obviously what's happening to the person is, is the true horror of it all. But I think the, the unique fear specifically is the, the sort of like spectating that or like reflecting on, on being a part of it, but not being able to, to do anything.
2: That makes, well, I I think because it it makes you essentially like come, like fully realize like how completely powerless you are (laughs) with a human in your state, like in the world, like, Oh no, I am just, but this tiny speck on this planet who can witness this horror happen and Uh, do literally nothing about it. (laughs) Like I have 100% powerless. Although this, this, this ends up being pretty empowering for the spectators, I will say. So
0: I didn't know that at the time. That's true.
2: (laughs) That's true. You did not know that at the time. So, <laughs> but maybe this uh, maybe maybe the ending for this can be like therapeutic for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch
0: it over and over. We do have power. <laughs> Not all is helpless.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: okay okay yeah so um so after mj realizes that they run over to the midtown mustangs balloon where like all the cool kids are um and are, and are and walking in the balloon and then sally uh, <laughs> <laughs> they Kenny, keep trashing on you sally i don't yeah. care uh, i think kenny's there too to be fair so sally oh and, yeah, Kenny yeah. and all the cool kids uh <laughs> but mary jane um is like dudes guys ditch the balloon gwen's in trouble of course Rand, being like a perfect human being is like yep. Okay, <laughs> and just like, commands everyone to uh to go with him. Sally's yep. like Rand. If you if you go help another human being and show any semblance <laughs> of empathy towards towards humanity, I will murder you. Um, uh, just screaming, and Sally sucks. <laughs> she
0: does suck. At least Kenny just like goes with it.
2: Yeah, Kenny. Yeah, Kenny doesn't Man. bother. <laughs> yeah, they Sally are in just... like
0: a neck and neck competition for who sucks more. Right? Because Sally expressed like sadness over Peter's situation. Kenny we don't really know did. Uh, Mm -hmm. but Kenny like drops everything to help the nerd girl and Sally doesn't. So, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah. I don't know which one sucks more.
2: I guess you could, I guess to be, I hate being fair to Sally because she sucks. But You don't have to be. (laughs) I don't have to be, but I feel it. I feel that I do need to be is that they don't explain why Gwen is in trouble. They don't explain what the problem is yet. And Mm -hmm. for Sally, it is their responsibility to be carrying this balloon as Parade. And we see that when no one's carrying it, the balloon just floats off, which will be a major problem later. Because what's going to happen to that gigantic Macy's Day balloon when it just, like, eventually deflates and lands. Like it could kill people. It's actually kind of an irresponsible thing to let go of the balloon. We understand as an audience in this context that they're being heroic, (laughs) but she's like, uh, no, they asked us to do this. Bad things can happen. Like, I think you could argue that she's thinking a little bit responsibly about it and doesn't know that Gwen's life is literally in, in hanging in the balance here.
0: All I'm hearing is that Sally is a balloon enthusiast, which (laughs) makes me maybe hate her a little less. (laughs) 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 <laughs> if I can have one thing that I can believe she's human about, <laughs> that helps. So okay. she's got I guess
2: and she's got school spirit. That's
0: one one weight on the scale for uh for Sally being the better better person.
2: Just one. Just one. <laughs> uh, okay, Sally. Ah, the screaming did not help. Um <laughs> nope. Um, either way we get get, oh god i love this a beautifully ironic moment where (laughs) venom is of course taunting spider-man and spidey is like will you just shut up (laughs) webs his mouth and then because his mouth is webbed venom's stomach turns into a giant mouth and continues to talk to him
0: i love it especially because we know that venom doesn't need to do that the webbing doesn't work on venom so instead of just taking the the webbing off of his mouth which he could have done He does this horrifying stomach mouth thing.
2: Yeah, because immediately after that, he rips the webs off of his mouth and they both talk at the same time.
0: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. It's Uh, It's so good. I love that. So after the the horrifying stomach mouth thing, Spider-Man does make it to the monkey balloon and actually tricks Venom pretty quickly into slashing a hole in the balloon that Gwen is suspended from which Venom realizes very quickly is meant to create a slow descent as opposed to a plummeting fall. Um, It begins to work except that Venom's like, "Mm, think again, dude. And at that moment, the black webbing snaps and Gwen plummets to the ground and my heart jumps into my throat. (laughs) I break into a cold sweat But Spidey swings in and saves her.
2: I'm sure they they know who
0: in the clear, right? I'm good. I'm good to go. I can relax now.
2: <laughs> oh God! Oh God!
0: So rude. So so rude. They this know. is the meta. This is they use the meta for good so frequently, but this time they use the meta for the meanest trick ever. <laughs> ah. uh, because Spider Man does save Gwen. He's swinging along with her, sort of holding on to him. But guess who swings by? Oh, it's Venom. Guess what he does? Oh, he clotheslines Spider-Man. And guess who loses his grip of Gwen Stacy? Spider-Man does. So she plummets to the ground again. And just as I'm managing to push my heart back into my chest, (laughs) I choke on it, gasping.
2: (laughs) Oh, boy.
0: Oh, my gosh. Traumatized. It's okay. Absolutely though. traumatized. It's
2: okay though. It has a good end. I mean, yeah, but it has a it has a good ending.
0: <sighs> because she doesn't die, everyone. She doesn't she doesn't splat on the pavement. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> because instead the Midtown Mustangs um who abandoned their Mustang balloon got there in time to sort of grab the monkeys like the monkey balloon's paw. And create sort of like a makeshift firefighter's net out of it, so they do catch, they catch Gwen before she hits the ground.
2: I love it. I love that they gave the the teens like a, like all a collective like heroic moment for the season finale. Yeah. Like, oh, it's so great.
0: Yeah, I I would be happy to see more of that kind of stuff. I think it's really fun. I know they do it here because it really plays into what peter and spider-man are sort of learning about themselves and their relationships Mm -hmm. but now that we've learned it can we see more
2: (laughs) i know right yeah just this general theme was just like yeah everybody can help each other everyone is there everyone can be there for everyone else it It is is
0: okay to rely on others you don't have to be the one everyone relies on all the time
2: right right Uh, i love it so much yes (laughs) yeah and and of course flash being the big spider-man fanboy he shouts to spidey to get that creep
0: yeah yeah. I think Spidey might've even responded.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he was just like, um, say like uh, we'll do Eugene. <laughs>
0: oh yeah. We'll do Eugene. Which that's, I think that's, right. that's a
2: nice, but it's a nice callback because the episode prior when he was like being mean to flash, like yeah. he calls him Eugene disparagingly. And then this time it's like a nice little callback to being like reaffirming that they do have uh, an interesting, not quite a friendship, but they do have like that, that connection going on now. And he yeah. understands it.
0: Mm-hmm. If an understanding at least.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So Spider-Man and Venom end up battling in the street for just a little bit, kind of in front of the whole crowd, before they make their way onto another rooftop. Obviously, Spider-Man doesn't want to be (laughs) anywhere near the crowd um, because Venom is horrible. And once they get onto the rooftop, Spider-Man manages to, to sort of trick the symbiote into leaving Eddie by pretending to surrender. So he gets up there. He, you know, falls onto his knees and he says, like, I give up, you know, I, I can't, I I give up, I can't beat you. Basically, actually, uh, if you can't beat him, join 'em join type thing, which mm-hmm. I didn't think about until this moment. <laughs> but he's playing. Um, he offers himself up to the symbiote, basically saying, like, don't you want your first love? Literally saying first love, I think. Yep. So he really, really plays on what you were talking about before, that sort of romantic element of of the symbiote sort of being in love with its hosts. And despite Eddie's pleas for the symbiote to stay with him, it does slink off of him and crawls over to Peter instead.
2: Mm -hmm. Sorry, Eddie. You were the safety. You were the rebound. Yep.
0: Yep. Significant, (laughs) I think, that—well, not—I mean, just straight up, definitely significant. This was not an accident. Um, The fact that Eddie pleads with the symbiote, you know, like he's Mm -hmm. not relieved in the moment that it comes off of him. There's no moment of like, thank goodness. Like he's still very much in that place of like, I need this. I need you. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of it's 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 sad. It's not angry. He's not like pissed at the symbiote. He's like, I guess this is on theme for what's happening. Like he's heartbroken at it, at it leaving.
2: Yeah. I think, and well, I think it kind of solidifies that like it was kind of validating a lot of things that Eddie thought about himself yeah. um, in a, in, in a weird way, even though a lot of those things were negative, mm-hmm. but I think it's sort of like having that validation that it's sort of like, at least it's like comforting to just like, know that, you know, what, you know, I think is what the symbol probably gave him Yeah. sort of like, Oh yeah, you're a piece of shit that the universe hates. So here you go. Now, at least like, at least we're in this together and right. we can, we can both like share our hatred in, in things and like make bad things happen for our, you know, because we want them to. So finally something mm-hmm. can go our way. Yes. It's, it's, it's really, uh, so it's real fascinating and it's like, I don't know. It's just such a, it's a cool take on Venom that still makes a lot of sense and like fits into court kind of like the, the kind of uh, the like obsessive crazed Venom that that's existed for a long time, but it's such a it's It's such a more like empathetic like sympathetic take on him for sure
0: yeah i am I'm so so, so curious about what the future is or potentially was meant to be shed a tear <laughs> for the venom symbiote after this, because the venom that they created mm-hmm. I don't think could effectively follow in the footsteps of many venoms before it,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Which I I I am fine with because I like this venom a whole freaking lot, mm-hmm. but it, it 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 does feel like the longevity of this venom is sort of um not quite as as hefty as maybe some of the other ones once they sort of shape it in a certain way
2: yeah yeah they were really they were really looking to create a very specific like heavily a, a very a, a character that specifically fit into the like very heavy themes for one um but also was like very clearly fleshed out with clearly fleshed out motivations in spite of the fact that he's not necessarily you don't you're not necessarily gonna see him like leading up his own series and being like an antihero or something later on because he <laughs> kind of has a pretty clear arc that he's on right now. Um and I kinda commend him for that. They're they're going for like what best fit best fit yeah. the story that they're telling and the themes that they're going for and the way that they've crafted this version of the character.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I I couldn't possibly imagine how this Eddie Brock plus Venom symbiote would swing off to San Francisco and defend an <laughs> underground colony from you know like yeah. I, like how would that happen? I I, I don't see it. <laughs>
2: right, right. Yeah. But I'm
0: sure if they wanted to make it happen,
2: they could do it yeah. um in a, in a in a way, but Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Really the only the only downside about this version of Venom, in my opinion, is that he has, like, no booty at all. Like, no, <laughs> it's just, like, flat. Bums yeah. me out. But, you know, I can forgive him. It's not a very curvy uh, Venom. I can forgive him for it because he's great <laughs> in, like, every other way. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. We can we can pour one out for Venom's booty.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there are plenty of other dummy thick Venoms out there, so. True, true. It's all right. It's okay. Wasn't meant to be. This one can just be cute. Yeah, yeah, he's cute. He is very, very cute. Very, very cute. <laughs> uh, speaking, speaking of cute. No, that doesn't work. um <laughs> Upon attempting to to bond with Spider Man. The Venom symbiote, like as soon as it's kind of in its headspace, he mm-hmm. immediately realizes that it's that it was a trick. He's like, "The emotions taste all wrong." But yeah, Spidey's... taste,
0: which is a choice word.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it, man. But uh, but yeah, he recognizes like Spidey's being a positive thinker now, and he understands. Um, so he, he's like, "All right, but well, you know, what? it's fine. I'm already in your head. I'm still gonna do my same same spiel." Um, he tries to go after him, but um, he is instead blocked by the thoughts of spidey's friends and family which is a really it's a cool it's a cool (laughs) scene and concept it's really well done basically like the people that care about him like form a wall that blocks him. right yeah the only downside is that kenny and sally are both there which is like which i wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind so much if sally wasn't like front and center it's like gwen mary jane and aunt may and then sally are like the four characters who are placed right in the front. Like yeah. of everything that's happening.
0: I, yeah, I could get over Sally being there as much shit as I give her. Cause she did actually, like, literally just help Gwen. Right. I know Kenny did too, but he's just, he's so terrible.
2: <laughs> like, there's like, wh- what? What? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Hmm.
2: Yeah, that seems like an oversight. This is so bad, Kenny. <laughs> yeah.
0: At least yeah. Sally is like, I'm friends with Liz. Like I don't know.
2: You can kind of get like what maybe her motivations are <sighs> and thoughts are sometimes. Kenny is just like straight up dumb and doesn't give a shit like about anything.
0: Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, watch just... Kenny's going to be my favorite character next season.
2: <laughs> next season they're just going to do a complete one eighty on him. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Like despite all that, in concept and and, and really, uh, uh, no matter what, like it's it's a cool it's a cool thing because it's pretty much just reaffirming what Spidey learned in the last yeah. episode that Peter's like I have friends and family. Um, you're the disease, they're the cure, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And so the symbiote is just completely unable to 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 bond with him again. So Spidey is able to like get out of that creepy headspace and instead just bag up the unbonded and weakened symbiote before it can crawl back to Eddie, um, who has passed out by the way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, instead he uh, he takes the symbiote in a bag, tosses it into like a pool of concrete right before it uh, hardens up. And uh mm. yeah so it's sealed away in a nearby construction site presumably.
0: Hmm. <laughs> I'm so curious. <laughs> right? right? <I'm> so curious. <laughs> Cuz here's the thing, even if even if Venom doesn't reappear in the next season, I just have to imagine that there were plans for Venom or the symbiote or something to return in some way. Sure. You know, they do not destroy or they do not show the destruction of the symbiote. And yeah. I, it's not a mistake. So, you know, maybe I'll get my answer when we cover season two. Maybe I'll never get my answer. I won't know until we get there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I'm so, so curious to know what, what the future was meant to be.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree. It's like uh, carnage.
0: Yeah. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I should give them more credit.
2: <laughs> no, it'll be Scream. <laughs>
0: oh, she's <geez. laughs> Children. All the children.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All uh. of them. <laughs> well, so that evening at home, Peter shows up to see that Dr. Bromwell has brought Aunt May home. Um, he's like, I was at the hospital. You weren't there. And Aunt May is just like, it's cool. I got my new boyfriend. I mean my doctor here. It's fine. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's released from or she's released from his care, so it's like fine now, right? I guess
2: so. I don't think I think that there's some <laughs> skewed ethics here, but they're cute and it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, Peter Swot may have she's been in the kitchen and she's just like, Oh, I wouldn't worry about that. Because she's a nefarious master planner. Like <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yep. <laughs> she always has schemes. Yes. She wow, her mind. I just that's her superpower. See, they all, all the women have superpowers.
2: <laughs> That's true. That's true. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, because uh, right after that, the doorbell rings. Peter finds that uh, Gwen and her dad, Captain Stacy, are at the front door with Thanksgiving dinner.
0: Just Gwen and Captain Stacy.
2: Oh, yeah. So is yeah. this
0: a uh, single parent? Is it parent. just her and a
2: single parent? Yeah, actually, you know, that didn't even occur to me, but like, does she have in the like original like 616 universe like i feel like did she have a mom that she ever talked to or was it was it a single parent Uh, thing there too
0: i don't remember not sure
2: because it was such a big deal like when her dad died i mean it would be a big deal if her dad died and they're married but i feel like it was i feel like it was an extra big deal because it was a single parent situation right huh yeah i don't
0: remember yeah hmm yeah But yeah, they've got Thanksgiving dinner, which is exciting.
2: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's sweet. So they have a nice little like big Thanksgiving like family dinner with uh Peter, Aunt May, and Doctor Bromwell, and both of the species, <laughs> which is nice. Doctor definitely... Bromwell, do
0: you not have a family to go home to? I know,
2: I know, dude. He's just like he is. <laughs> if not, real. that's fine. But he's real into Aunt May right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like oh hey hey children sorry. Mm. I uh, won't we'll be coming to dinner tonight. Why? I Got a hot date.
0: <laughs> also, I mean, just like for Peter, who's met Doctor Bromwell probably like three times. Um, Captain Stacy, who's probably never met Doctor Bromwell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gwen maybe met Doctor Bromwell. Like, that's uh, uh, it's weird. It's but I guess, ridiculous. I guess, if you're having sort of like um, the kind of Thanksgiving they're having is is very much like a found family type thanksgiving so plus i imagine aunt may would invite anybody over for thanksgiving
2: that's true that's true and dr bromwell's p- seems pretty chill so it's probably like nothing like, he probably is is pretty not awkward so
0: and let's be honest like was aunt may gonna let him say no if she invited
2: him that's a good point actually
0: <laughs> <laughs> she gets what she wants
2: <laughs> um speaking of not saying no i really like that they reference that gwen is like not casually over, like, the horrible, terrifying trauma that she just went through. Yeah. Because um, they, they're even explicitly like, Gwen, are you sure you're cool with this? And, and Captain Stacy's like, she wouldn't let me say no. I didn't mm-hmm. want her to come because she just went through a traumatic event. Yep. And then and then when Gwen is like, I'm fine. Well, not fine, but alive. And then mentions, like, having post-traumatic stress disorder.
0: I really like that it's such a little thing, but I like that she says, I'm fine. Well, not fine. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially in this circumstance. <laughs> yeah.
2: I love that. Cause it's such a, I mean, if they didn't do that, I wouldn't notice it because it's a superhero no. show. Everyone's in danger all the time, but right. it's like the fact that it's like, actually they have been pretty good about not putting his friends in casual danger. And the only other time I think that that's really happened was with Doc Ock and with Liz mm-hmm. and she immediately broke up with her boyfriend after that happened. So obviously right. there was some kind of, trauma that she was dealing with. They've handled that really well actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think so too. Um okay, also, <laughs> what? Um uh, <laughs> at this Thanksgiving dinner, Aunt May reveals that she has a deal with a publishing company to write a cookbook, which is why she was testing 15 different get dang recipes
2: that she nearly passed out from. I wasn't messing with you in the last one. I legitimately forgot about that detail. <laughs> so I also was as confused as you were <laughs> about all of
0: that. <laughs> I was sitting there after that scene. I I literally paused it and was like, I think I just got played so (laughs) hard (laughs) Um, because I mean, I I talked myself out of that because I was like, no, if, if, if it matters later, Derek would probably just say like, no, 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 that it'll, it'll clarify itself later. Um, Like just go with it. But when it's like a, like I've mentioned that I'll, I'll, I'll have to keep things in when people are watching Survivor seasons I've watched. Yeah. And I do have to do that because people are like, oh man, why would so-and-so do whatever and whatnot? And I know the outcome, so I have to sit there and be like, yeah, it is really weird, blah, 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 which like, feels like lying and yeah. now i just like got a taste of it
2: yeah. no, <laughs> Where i was well, like
0: oh my god did i just get a taste of my own medicine
2: <laughs> uh mm, i've definitely played you on some things this season <laughs> this particular thing was not that i legitimately <laughs> i was just shocked but which is funny because i've seen these episodes multiple times but i guess it's such a like a, a small detail at the end that i just didn't retain it i was legitimately just like oh shit what <laughs> uh
0: it's such a funny funny, weird little payoff like yeah that happened like two episodes ago i think
2: right and it's not even it's not even specifically referenced that it's like that's why i was making i was testing recipes it's just like she legit just like (laughs) forgot to tell peter that this was happening (laughs) or like already Uh, thought that she did because she's just like go casually just like where's my cookbook my dear
0: oh so that my mind exploded (laughs) (laughs) they cover all their
2: bases on this show there's like no like plot holes or anything Uh, there's no mistakes
0: so good (laughs) well the episode properly ends uh with peter reflecting well the the episode and the season ends with peter reflecting on 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 a few things but all having to do with some acceptance reflecting on accepting help from his friends and his family um accepting the responsibility of handling his own messes um sort of demonstrated by um you know Gwen's family bringing over dinner and helping him make it and then cleaning the mess that he made respectively but also accepting his destiny as Spider-Man because he he pulls out the um the gene cleanser again And instead of hiding it this time, pours it down the drain. So Mm -hmm. um, he has officially made that decision um, and is is no longer sort of tossing back and forth as infrequently as it was sort of happening. The idea of like cleaning his spider laden Mm jeans.
2: Nice little capper on the season. Mm -hmm. I really dig the little subversion here that they do because he pours it on the drain, which is just like that's going to go in the sewer system. Like you're going to, you're pulling a fire star here. Oh, that's a dangerous I chemical. <laughs> but then it like, it's obviously a mistake. Cause it just starts like bubbling up and it's yeah. just like, like stops up the drain. He's like, ah, oh, crap. Like immediately. I love that so much. Don't put dangerous chemicals down the drain guys. It yeah, goes back don't. into the water supply. <laughs> uh,
0: that's how water works. That's how it all works. <laughs> um, that's interesting too, because when he grabbed that, I wasn't really sure what he was going to do with it cuz it hasn't shown up in a while the gene cleansing mm-hmm. formula um and and he did specifically put it into his suit it's not like he put it back where he found it um I know part of that was cuz he was pulled out the window but I was I was trying to figure out like what connection will this have to the symbiote story mm-hmm. um but it doesn't it 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 just comes full circle as far as him wondering whether or not he should be spider-man
2: yeah it's a nice i i, I love just like how it's just well constructed the season is in terms of its themes and like making sure that it's all just kind of tied up at the end because you really get the sense that like this is this is a whole show about peter learning lessons and this is sort of like yes mm-hmm. this is like the big lesson to learn is that like you have people that care about you and in order to protect people that you that care about you it is worth putting up with some of the bullshit that involves mm-hmm. being spider-man so you should still be spider-man and stop flip-flopping on that yep yep Exactly.
0: Oh, but wait, he accepts one more thing. (laughs) Because as the Stacys are leaving the house, Gwen stops to, uh, I don't even remember what she says, because what's important is that they kiss.
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, she doesn't, she doesn't really say much. She, Peter, because Peter, Peter finally Finally acknowledges, he silently says, Glenn, this was amazing. You're amazing. Which like he never fucking says that to her his friend ever. Finally acknowledges that. Um and she's just like, Okay, yeah, night. (laughs) And then just leaves. And then they have a really nice shot that's just of her feet going down the stairs, and then going down the stairs, stopping, turning around, running back up, and then Mm -hmm. immediately just cuts to her kissing him. It's so good. Yep. Yeah. Oh, did you see that coming for the, the end of the season? Like the literal last shot of the season?
0: No, because I was expecting her to fall onto the ground from five <laughs> <That's>... stories up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, God, thank God! But that no, didn't I mean, if, if, what's that? <laughs> so oh, God, yeah, thank
2: God that didn't happen because that would For have been such real. a waste of the character. Well,
0: it would, have, it would have been a waste of the character, and it would have been an absolutely devastating way to end the season of a kids' cartoon show. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, my God, um, you might end like a movie that way, or like an adult television series that way. But mm-hmm. God,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it would have been a whole lot. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I wasn't expecting that, and honestly. Even just throughout the season, I don't know that I would have expected that to be the way that they end the season. Um, but I'm happy about it. Yeah. Even if I was shipping Eddie and Gwen early on, <laughs> I'm very fine with this.
2: I think they did the Gwen stuff well because the the downside to how Gwen was handled in this show was that she's, she's kind of on the sidelines a lot. She doesn't get a lot of character development, mm-hmm. um, really. We get a really good sense of who she is and she gets really cool moments. But she doesn't really change that much other than just, like, deciding, like... I'm going to make a move on Peter Parker. Yeah. But I think it's like, it's done very, very um, deliberately because <laughs> the point of her story is sort of like, she's always on the sidelines to Peter and Peter has to eventually realize that she's there and stop yeah. forgetting that she exists. Um, and part of that, and the, but, but ultimately the only way that it can really happen is that she does have to like kind of take some action herself. So I do think like when I was watching this the first time, one of my hopes was definitely like, I hope they give Gwen a little bit more to do in the next season. But even still, I appreciate what they did with her and how she like relates to Peter's story in this season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you put it very succinctly like that too, um, I think it, it it really helps clarify those moments of frustration where you're like, where is Gwen? Yeah. What the hell? Like, she's so cool. But that's, that's exactly what it is. We see the thing that Peter does not see. So mm-hmm. um, it makes a lot of sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. And I did not mind the spider signal in this case either. I thought it was no. a cool little zoom out that they that they did. Because they, they transitioned from a real spider web to yeah. the spider signal, like just taking up the whole screen. It's really neat.
0: I also don't mind the spider signal taking up the whole screen. It's when it's like superimposed on the actual environment. And <laughs> I'm like, okay. Or in shapes. <laughs> Yeah, orange shapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just make it the the closing screen if you want it.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. Huh. Yeah. So a couple of faces of the episode and then we can I guess do our whole full final thoughts on the whole season um the the, uh, the main one this is just, it's just a weird one this whole episode is animated beautifully like they step up their game hardcore for it but as a result there's like a a real quick like shot of tombstone that like almost doesn't look like it's from this show like it looks <laughs> like it's from like a 90s cartoon or something because so it's much like depth it's so extra detailed so much deeper so much more shadows thicker lines and mm-hmm. it's just for like a split second close-up of him like making a face and then like matches nothing else from him or in the entire scene um and it's just from the scene of spidey i think initially or when he when he comes and like rejects the offer basically and it's just a real close-up it's just like you went like (laughs) overboard on making that look good
0: guys (laughs) yeah yeah somebody somebody was really determined like i'm gonna prove myself (laughs) yeah yeah like, Look at how deep I can make this face.
2: Congratulations. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> all right. I like
0: it. Yeah. You're all right. Tombstone.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other one, it isn't really a face of the episode. It's just like amazing <laughs> in, in a horrible, grotesque way. Uh, when Eddie answers the phone and Venom first answers. And then like his, his mouth opens up and widens. And then Eddie's head comes from his, out of his tongue. And then it's just <sighs> like a, Dismembered, like Venom head, like surrounding him, almost like it's just like his hood. It's disturbing.
0: And and what's what disturbs me especially about it is it's so close to things we've seen Venom do before, as far as like pulling his head back as a hood. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it doesn't just pull back as a hood. There's like that weird bulging moment of the throat and the tongue, yeah! where it's like, what in the world is happening? So it's not like he's just peeling the suit back. It's like Eddie's head is being like born out of his throat. Yeah. It's real, real gross. <laughs> I've seen
2: it used for like real great like gift jokes, though. Ugh. Um, real dirty gift jokes, actually. Oh, I uh, was
0: gonna say, like, how does this even? Um, I, I guess the more I think about it, I could think of a few few contexts. Yeah.
2: It's like uh, when you're watching, well, uh, when you're uh, when you're watching porn and your mom calls. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, actually, that's 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 a perfect use. <laughs>
0: that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I like
2: that one a lot. Yeah. So, damn, we're done with the first season of this show, which is like Ooh, sad, but what boy. a good season this was.
0: You were not wrong. <laughs> not that I don't trust your your tastes, um, but I I don't know. I guess I I don't know. W- I, I wasn't resistant to watch it. I guess I just like never really went out of my way to do it. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I, 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 I'm glad that, that I'm watching it this way. Like, I'm thankful that this is kind of the, the way I get to experience it. But at the same time, I'm like, God, what, like what, like I dragged my feet for so long on this, like really, really great series. <laughs> <laughs> but gosh, it's, it's so good. I mean, it's so good from so many perspectives all of which are, are choices and not incidental. You know what I mean? Um, their animation choices are great. Their storytelling choices are great. Their characterizations are great. The inclusion of of certain names and characters and people and situations are great. Um, and there was really only, like, what, one thing that I was really down on. And even then I would say I was more conflicted about it than than absolutely down on it, so
2: hmm yeah
0: i'd call that a home run
2: yeah it's hard to well, i think it's 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 hard to like recommend this show specifically because it's hard to talk about why why it's good like mm-hmm. i feel like it's why why people i think maybe sometimes get annoyed with spectacular spider-man fans because it's literally just like but it's so good it's just the best spider-man show <laughs> but it's sort of like well I don't know, it's like written good and the characters are good. It's just sort of like, well, I think that the 90s show is written great. And I think the characters are written great. So like, how could it be better than that? Um, but it's just like the precise way that it's all structured and mm-hmm. written and performed. It's just like everything, th- there's so much attention to detail and everything is just like so intentional. Like there's none of this, there's none of this weirdness where you're just sort of like, what the heck were they doing? Like you always yeah. are pretty on board with like the story that's being told and like what they're aiming for. And I think there's a lot of trust that you can like place into the creators of it. And it's also just like really beautiful to watch it. Everything happen, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's just really well animated. The designs I think take getting used to initially. And I think if you just look at like screenshots from it, I can see why people might be turned off from it if you're not seeing it in motion. But like the second that I think you get a little bit used to it, you just realize like the beauty that is in this show and how artfully done it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I really, I, I really would. Um, chastise is a strong word, but if, if, if someone's hesitation were simply the art style for this one, I mean, it's really not that, that drastic. I mean, there are other shows from the same sort of era that didn't look exactly like this, but this isn't like that wild of a of a design thing. It's different for Spider Man. It's different for superheroes. Yeah, but. I don't know. You got, you got to get past that.
2: (laughs) I think so too. And I think if, if you, if you give it, if you watch like an episode of it, I feel like you could get past it. Like, I think that if you're not able to get past the, the, the artwork, it's because you haven't actually watched the show. So
0: right. Right. Yeah. No, it's Uh, great.
2: It's so good. So
0: good.
2: good. Yes. I'm excited for when we eventually get to season two, but Mm -hmm. I know, can't spoil all the all the um, <laughs> wonderful, all, all the wonderful things like in one go right yeah
0: oh man I'm so curious I'll have to like maybe I'll sit down and like think like man what 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 could we do next with this show? You know, and just like, <laughs> Oh, just like happens. plot out all
2: your theories and everything. Yeah,
0: Like, Hmm, where could this go? And what could that be? That could be
2: kind of fun. And I would uh, love to like, to have you present oh, them like at the start of the season yeah. and then just like, see what actually plays out. <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll do that. I'll, I'll do, um I'll do uh, not necessarily hopes and not necessarily expectations, but um, maybe like five things I think would be fun to see in the season or something like that. Based yeah. on, based on things we've already seen, like not just like, Wild, sort of like,
2: oh, let's uh, uh, Spider Verse. Like <laughs> <laughs> Miles Morales shows up, even though he hasn't been created yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they created. Hey, they they hinted at Flash being Venom. Maybe they were just <laughs> maybe they had foresight. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, it'll. I'll make it sort of a combination of like um, s- some a little bit of prediction, but also um, stuff that I think makes sense based on what we've seen. Yeah,
2: that'll be fun.
0: So that'll be a good way to start when we pick this back up.
2: Definitely, definitely. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, any other final thoughts on this show?
0: Um, I don't know. I I, I, I don't think I do because I think all of my, my reactions and reflections have all pretty much happened in real time. So I think, you know, if you're somebody who's listened to us talk about the whole season, what you got is where I'm at. <laughs> um, and I think with time it it might be fun to revisit and see if there are things that play better for me or play worse or whatever but as a you know as a result of watching it for the first time it's it's all very straightforward but You watched it when it was airing. So you've had a whole decade Mm -hmm. um, and you've watched it many times. And this is the first time you're watching it in this context. So I'm curious if there's been any sort of like major, not even necessarily changes, but just like adjustments in in how you view certain things or things you never really gave much thought or paid attention to that now you're sort of seeing in a new light.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, I have a greater appreciation for, like, uh, the like kind of thematic through lines that they put into the show. Because I don't think I noticed how cohesive the first season was when I watched it live, for sure. Even under rewatches. Yeah. Because I think when you're, when you're looking for just, like, the villains that you're excited to see, like, and you're not really necessarily looking for it to be a heavily thematic show, I think it's really easy to miss it. Mm-hmm. it but... I was really I I I end up I liked this I like all of these episodes a lot more than I did uh, the first (laughs) time. Um, The more that we dug into them, which I think is a good sign. Like when you can really like look at every pore of it, and you don't come out just like seeing the mistakes or whatever and the weaknesses. You just come out realizing like, oh wow, they thought even more deeply about this than they than I already thought that they did. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I think that's really what it is. Just this kind of general idea of like the whole season was about how Peter treated his friends to a certain extent and like how, and the way that he he interacted with people who cared about him and the way that it ultimately came to a head at the end of the season. I knew that there were like shades of that there, but I didn't realize how heavily it was planted from the beginning and throughout multiple episodes until doing this podcast. Like Mm -hmm. there really was a clear goal for the season and they met it ultimately. And I I appreciate that a lot.
0: They met it spectacularly. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, wow! Ooh, dang! That feels like such an accomplishment. Yeah, I know. I like right, we've accomplished so much. I mean, to be fair, like how many episodes of our podcast were dedicated to this, and then multiply that by like three hours—that's how many hours we've spent. Yeah,
2: because uh, we we definitely well, <laughs> talking about this. It's the first time that we've done a season that was this serialized and this cohesive. Like, yeah, we've done full seasons before. Um, we did a full season of the '90s shows, but the first season wasn't was very heavily episodic. Right. And and yeah, the episodes have gotten progressively longer, and especially with this show, because there was so much to talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: yeah, so I, we've definitely talked more about this show than I think we've talked about. Any other show up to this point.
0: Oh, for sure. And and at
2: this point, I don't really know what to expect (laughs) from our podcast, likewise, because not every episode, uh, I mean, not every show can warrant as much discussion as this one does. Right. But yeah, so we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. This definitely feels like an accomplishment because there's a lot of spectacular (laughs) Spider-Man talk from us in the ether now. Oh, yeah. And there's more to come eventually.
0: Yeah. Well, if you are here on this journey with us as we figure it out and you like what we're doing and want to see more of it um, in different ways or with different shows or um, in different formats, um, we have a recommendation for you. If you could go check out our Patreon on Patreon.com slash snappers. That is a way for folks to support us monetarily, um, which then gives us freedom to do new and exciting things. Um, this show specifically, Spectacular Spider-Man, um, we lucked out and it was free for streaming. But not all shows... Um, that we want to cover are, and some of them are actually pretty difficult to find and acquire. So that's sort of one of the things that we we put that support towards. And then obviously, as a result of having support from folks, um, we want to thank you and treat you well. So there are perks on there as well. Um, check that out. See if that's something for you. If you want to encourage us to do more stuff uh, more frequently or in more diverse ways, um, you can support us on patreon.com slash web snappers
2: yes and otherwise if you would like to follow us personally online you can follow me at derek b gale on twitter and hear me tweeting about lots of lots of stuff there's a power rangers season out right now so i tweet about that occasionally when i can watch it even though i don't get that channel
1: (laughs) (laughs) me neither (laughs)
2: yay Uh, but other other weird stuff too including spider-man things you can also look up my uh, YouTube show, Second Chance, which I'll eventually... I'm moving soon, and after that happens, I'll be able to focus more on that, so I won't have to keep saying that it's on hiatus. Um, But there are some episodes up for that now, and there will be more coming soon. It's about um looking at bad or divisive media from a positive lens and looking at why people might like it. What about you, Doug?
0: You can find me on Twitter, at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. I will be tweeting about a new Survivor season that starts the day after we record this actually um, and anything else that tickles my fancy sometimes power Rangers sometimes you know whatever cartoons or Netflix shows I'm watching but also if you are into Pokemon you can check me out on another podcast here on the four-eyed radio network called Victory Road where my co-host Kyle and I talk about all things Pokemon just whatever's happening for example there's a new game coming out in November so we are
2: gearing up for that cool cool and if you want to follow our show while web snappers on social media and see all those faces of the episode that we're talking about as well as other little goodies every so often um, you can follow us on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at Walloping wallopingwebpod or email us at Podcast at gmail.com send us that venom in a suit fan art that I'm begging for please <laughs> <laughs> we also love it if you could uh rate, review, and subscribe to us as you do with most podcasts. But um especially if you uh, rate and review us on like iTunes or any other podcast platform that you use, uh really helps people find us since there are a lot of Spider-Man podcasts out there mm-hmm. and ours um will be easier to find if we have more ratings. And if you give us a review, we will do a dramatic reading of it on our social Ooh, media that you yes. should follow. Yes, so please do that. Um, like we said, support us on Patreon for some amazing perks. But, But but next time, um, things are starting to get spooky as Halloween approaches. And we are going to be talking about Ghost Spider in Marvel HQ YouTube's Marvel Rising, Initiation, and Chasing Ghosts. Ooh.
0: Ooh. Goodbye.